Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I'm said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of December 9th, 2023, including Grand Theft Auto 6 has finally been revealed with a trailer that nearly broke the internet. The Game Awards just took place, and with it came tons of great announcements. Phil Spencer was in an interview with Windows Central that left us with a ton of new information and more. On this day in Xbox history, in the year 2008, 15 years ago, Prince of Persia was released for the Xbox 360 and Windows. Well, that's the other Prince of Persia, not the one we talked about last week. Last week we were talking about the original Prince of Persia trilogy. Now this week we're talking about the cel-shaded Prince of Persia. I don't know if this is a remake or unrelated or sequel. I don't really remember how this one plays, and I think it's like its own separate entry, and there was never technically a follow-up to this version of Prince of Persia, if I remember correctly, but I remember this coming out in 2008 and thinking like, wow, that game looks really good, but 2008 was already such a jam-packed year. We had Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts. We had, uh, what else was in 2008? Sonic Unleashed. Uh, everything I love in this world, you know, Guitar Hero World Tour. We didn't have time for your Prince of Persia, I'm sorry, but uh, I always wanted to play this game back in the day. Never did, and nowadays, I mean, it's, it, I don't care anymore. It's, it's too far gone. I'm sorry, Prince of Persia. And you have been certainly replaced with uh, with Assassin's Creed. Although they are bringing back Prince of Persia, we are getting more and more of that these days. we got a new one coming out in a little bit here, and then a remake of Sands of Time coming in about probably a year or two. So I don't even remember where we are with that game. I know it got rebooted at some point in its development. But we're not going to get bogged down talking about Prince of Persia again this week because we just did that last week. So, I listen, I can't help that Ubisoft just apparently really loves releasing Prince of Persia games right around this time of year. I guess it's just historically been a thing. Maybe this is just a Ubisoft time of year because, you know, we're about to let's just jump right into it. We got the notable game releases of the week. Let's just knock these out real quick before we kind of do a proper intro to the show and uh, welcome you all here because obviously we got a big week to get to with the game awards and everything. But uh, yeah, notable games coming out this week. Avatar Frontiers of Pandora, Ubisoft game made by Massive, the guys that make the division games. Uh, So yeah, this is a... This is a Ubisoft time of year. I guess this is when they like to release games. I've never really paid attention to that much, but it just seems to be like there's a pattern. Like they really like this post Black Friday kind of all the big games are already out, but here's us. Here's us sneaking by right before Christmas type of type of product. I guess it's just their MO. But yeah, Avatar Frontiers of Pandora came out uh, this week. I guess it came out in what, Thursday, the 7th? I think this game looks really cool. I've been pretty high on this game ever since they teased it, which was, man, I think the first time they teased this game was not, no joke, like 2016 or 2017. Cause I remember, I remember I was working for that Disney website I used to write for in college. And that was still when I went to, that was still when I was taking classes at community college before I went to university. So I, I distinctly remember being in the library, uh, killing some time between classes and I pulled out my laptop to write up the story about the new Avatar game that Ubisoft had just announced so I could get it published on the Disney website I used to do gaming coverage for. I remember that so vividly. In some ways, that feels like it was uh, 35 seconds ago, but then at the same time, that was, goddamn, that was like seven years ago, eight years ago, 
what was oh my god i don't let's not talk about it. let's not think about it man oh man it's been a long time coming avatar frontiers of pandora it's here i think the game looks great seems like the overwhelming reaction to people is like, I don't give a shit, and or people that review it seem to think like, hey, it's pretty fun, but it's not groundbreaking, it's not really all that inventive, and it's nothing you really need to freak out over, it's kind of just like a Far Cry game, but with an Avatar skin, and to me, I think that sounds pretty cool, because as someone who didn't give a shit about Avatar when he went and saw it in 2009 at the movie theater, I have since been very turned on to aspects of the avatar universe i like certain ideas like certain parts of the universe but most importantly i just think the 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 world of pandora and all that is really breathtaking and beautiful because uh the disney imagineers did such an amazing job creating this space in, in the real world when they built the uh the avatar land that exists at, at disney world at disney's animal kingdom theme park and i know it's like jesse we're like four seconds in the podcast you haven't talked about video games but you're already talking about disney what are we doing listen shut up i can't help it it was like the last fucking good thing disney ever built before they decided to stop trying and it's it's beautiful 2017 pandora the world of avatar opens at disney's animal kingdom it is it is it is joe rody's magnum opus although technically his magnum opus is probably animal kingdom the park itself what do you want me to do about it it's a beautiful park it's a beautiful section of the park Flight of Passage, if you've never ridden Flight of Passage, you've never been on a real theme park ride before, it's the most breathtaking experience ever. It will make even the most Scrooge McDuck type motherfucker and make him a fan of Avatar. It will make him suddenly be attracted to uh, tall, beautiful, blue cat women uh, who are only justifiably attractive because they are acted by Zoe Saldana, who is one of the most attractive women in Hollywood. So it's okay. It's not furry-like. It's not wrong because she's also attractive when she's a green uh, alien in Guardians of the Galaxy. So it's okay. It's okay. We can all agree it's not wrong. It's not furry adjacent. It's not even Japanese or anime, so it's really not all that furry related. It's just kind of okay. But anyway, what were we talking about? Avatar Frontiers of Pandora. I think the game looks good. I like, I like Far Cry games. I know they're kind of redundant at this point. I don't give a shit. They're always a fun time. And uh, slapping an Avatar skin over it, to me, sounds like a pretty good way to spend 25 hours. So to me, I look at Avatar Frontiers of Pandora and I say, when that game is inevitably $45 in like two weeks, I will pick it up. And that is, uh, that is firmly where I stand on this game. So yeah, waiting for that. Ubisoft loves slashing the price of their games you know, almost immediately. So we'll, we'll wait for that new year's sale. Uh, but yeah, that's avatar frontiers of Pandora also coming out this week. The Anacrusis um, is officially out. Now, if this sounds familiar, it's because I've talked about it multiple times on this podcast. Um, this is kind of a, I don't remember the name of the developer even, but it's a bunch of X uh, valve guys and turtle rock guys who worked on left for dead. And this is basically like a seventies, like cool, like funky, groovy, uh, sci-fi spin-off, alien spin-off of, or kind of in, um, uh, spiritual successor to Left 4 Dead. And in my opinion, I played the early access of this game a lot, and uh, I don't know if I'll go back and play the full release, but in my opinion, while this game didn't really do it for me, I don't I don't love it. Uh, I did find it to be a much better Left 4 Dead spiritual successor than I thought Back 4 Blood was. So I, I don't hate this game and might even recommend it, depending on how much they've improved it since the, um, since the early access that I played like a year or two ago. Um, but you know, I thought I'd rec- rec- not recognize or recommend, but um, just just acknowledge the Anacrusis. It's out. You can play it. It's full release. So I don't know how much they're charging for it, but I thought it was a decent time. So maybe on Game Pass or on sale or something, or maybe it's already like a thirty dollars game. I don't fucking know what they're charging for, but I enjoyed it enough. You know, we streamed it a couple times. 
that's out. And the last thing I wanted to acknowledge, and this is, I guess, a real deep cut, but I thought it was really awesome to see that this game has been remastered, pulled from the depths of hell, and remastered for modern platforms. That's right. You can download this on, on Xbox One, Xbox Series S and X, and PC, uh, but Plumbers Don't Wear Ties Definitive Edition is, is now out. And for those who don't know what the fuck this is, which I would assume is most people, unless you're just, um, unless you're like me and you've, you've been made aware of this because uh, YouTube, um, YouTube videos like uh, the Angry Video Game Nerds, extensive, exhaustive, hilarious, uh, early YouTube video about this game. This is this was an old 3DO interactive FMV game from like the earlier from like the mid 90s from like 94 or something like that. And uh, yeah, this is like one of those rare weird FMV games where there's there's no gameplay. It's just like you pick some word choices on the screen and it's like you you watch it like a slideshow presentation with um with some audio cues and voiceover. It's a very, very weird, kinky, stupid, cringy, raunchy, rom-com type, whatever the hell this is, monstrosity. Um, but it's like, it's like one of those things where it's like, it's, it's hilarious and the most ridiculous, it, like, it's so, so, so stupid and, and just absurd that it exists that it's funny and entertaining because, you know, kind of like, I guess, like Tommy Wiseau's The Room, the movie The Room, that's like so famous and memed on because of how terrible that movie is. This game is like the, it's like the video game version of the, of the room. If you ask me, it's, it's just, it's so funny. If you don't know anything about this game, I highly, highly recommend take 15 minutes out of your life and watch the angry video game nerds uh, video. He did like 15 years ago on, on this. It is, um, it is peak old school YouTube and it is just such, it's so fucking funny. This game, this game is ridiculous. That video is, is, is awesome. And, uh, honestly, I'm, I'm, super tempted to spend money I shouldn't be spending on having this just because it's a, it's, it's pretty fucking cool that they've made this accessible. It's like a, it's just an interesting piece of video game history. It's cool. That's getting preserved and brought forward, even though it isn't necessarily something uh, the the industry should embrace and be proud of. Um, it, it certainly does exist. And maybe we should remember that. Uh, so yeah, those are some games to talk about this week. And I honestly, I think that's, that's a wrap on 2023. I think, I'm not sure if there's anything else maybe I'm missing, but it has just been such a motherfucking jam-packed year for video games. And finally, here we are on December 8th. I'm recording this. Uh, We're at the tail end of the year, and we just finally got our last big game release of the year, Avatar Frontiers of Pandora. There might be one or two more I'm missing. I I think for me, at least, this is mentally where where I put a, you know, I put a bow on it and say, there's 2023. Enjoy the 75 massive must-play games that came out this year. But uh, yeah, well, I mean, what what a fucking what a fucking ride it's been, right? So anyway, um, let me stop for a second. Welcome to Xbox on guys, episode 236. This is you know historically, I've been doing the podcast long enough to know what this is. This is that last push of the year where. There's so much news to talk about this week. The Game Awards just happened. Before that, Windows Central, Jez Corden from Windows Central put up a really big interview he had with Phil Spencer. So there's a lot to talk about there. And then, of course, the other big thing that's been happening the past week, Grand Theft Auto 6, the first trailer officially dropped. It's all anyone on the internet's been talking about. So it's um it is not only an unusually crazy busy week in terms of Xbox news and things for us to go over in this podcast, but the way this always goes historically is right after the game awards, it is just fucking whisper silent for the next like four to six weeks. You know, everyone basically goes off on holiday, uh, and then the you know whatever, and we rejoin back at some point in January, and between now and then the the news is is very sparse. So. 
Uh, needless to say, our next few weeks are going to be a lot of interesting. Um, we're going to have to be coming up with some ideas for shows and, and digging to the to the bottom of the barrel to talk about some things because uh, there won't be much going on in the news. Although I suspect we'll have a lot of time to you know talk about game of the year stuff, like our personal game of the year picks, which will be fun. We do that every year and and things like that. But uh, yeah, just a heads up. This is this is the extravaganza. This is like the the last big hurrah in terms of news for 2023. And then it quiets down usually after this until until sometime in January. So we'll still have fun. I, I'm looking forward to my game of the year. I love doing that episode at the end of December every year. And, uh, you know, podcast doesn't go anywhere. Each and every Thursday, 9 a.m. Eastern time, new episode of Xbox on. Except for this week, which you may be saying to yourself, why the fuck is Xbox on posting on a Saturday? Well, I warned you last week. And if you didn't know, you have bad listening skills or you just didn't listen to last week's episode because I told you we had to delay the podcast in order to accommodate the game awards I'm sorry, it's just what we had to do. I don't like doing that. Almost never do that, but in this case, we had to do it. Otherwise, otherwise, this week's podcast would have come out on Thursday morning. It would have been like, hey, guys, Grand Theft Auto 6 trailer dropped, and then like seven hours later, it would have been like, the Game Awards happened, and now my podcast is dated because it's a week behind on news. So we had to do it this way. I'm sorry. It just had to be done. I'm sure you understand. All right, with all that said, guys, let's let's start off because we had so much to get into. Let's just start off with these stories of mild amusement, updates, uh, things like that to just kind of whet our appetite um, before we get into the Game Awards proper and all that. And obviously, Grand Theft Auto 6 is no mildly amusing story. It's a, it's a big deal, but because there's not much to talk about here other than it's just the trailer, I figured let's kick off this episode by just talking, talking about Grand Theft Auto 6. Let's address the trailer. Let's talk about this, and then we can get into... Um, the Game Awards after some of this early stuff. So yeah, the Grand Theft Auto 6 trailer was supposed to drop on, what was it, Monday? December 5th, right? Or Tuesday the 5th, I think. And then on like Monday night on the 4th, someone leaked the trailer for like 17 seconds. And then that person got fucking sniped out of existence by, by a gun for hire. And then, and then uh, Rockstar is basically just like, fuck it here's the trailer early because some asshole ruined it for us if i'm not mistaken that's pretty much how it went and i remember thinking this was so crazy because i was um i was at home and i, I pulled up my phone and i went to youtube and there it was on, on my on my um timeline just like recommended for you it was like grand theft auto 6 trailer and i, I looked at it and i remember like that can't be real because it said it was uploaded by rockstar games and the video only had like 240,000 views and it had been posted for like 35, 45 minutes or something like that. I'm like, if the Grand Theft Auto 6 trailer dropped, it would have like 3 billion views in under 30 seconds. There's no way this is the Grand Theft Auto 6 trailer. I clicked on it and I'm like, holy shit, this is the GTA 6 trailer. And I watched it and I looked it up. I couldn't even be bothered by the actual trailer because I was like, how the hell is the view count so low and it's been up for almost an hour? And then I looked it up and I was like, Oh, oh, we're supposed to come out tomorrow. Oh, someone leaked it. Oh, they're just giving up and put... I'm like, that's why. Because it's now everyone's caught off guard. People weren't expecting it to be up. But anyway, it's just a weird little anecdote I thought I'd share on here because I tell you guys way too much sometimes, all the time. Um, anyway, I don't know. How do we want to talk about this trailer? Let's let's go over it real quick. Headhunting Halo wrote in and says, Hearing macaroni sounds makes me miss her. I don't remember or understand the context of that. But continuing on, you said... I'm uh, I'm not split, just missed the bed games. Uh, anyway, GTA 6 is going to be groundbreaking, the biggest thing ever uh, that everyone's going to be talking about, and it's going to be in the news, and uh, it's going to be in the news. I'm excited to see the sales of this game and cannot wait. Uh, the trailer, 
Also, it looks funny how Halo made the same background for a trailer the day before the GTA 6 trailer. I just got the Platinum Trophy for Spider-Man 2. Very good uh, game, but the side stuff could be longer, but overall, great time. Yeah, I thought this was funny, too. I saw that. Um, Halo announced that they were going to have a trailer like the same day, and the background looked very GTA 6. And I don't know if that was supposed to be like an intentional riff off, like a joke or an homage to the GTA thing. But then, like, suddenly everyone had, like, announcement photos or like teaser photos that were like riffing on the GTA six um, picture that rockstar had been publishing. That was like, Hey, grand Theft Auto six trailer coming out on December 5th. And, uh, and I just thought that was funny as well, but yeah, head hunting halo. You are absolutely right. Grand Theft Auto six is not only going to be huge. And yes, the sales numbers are going to be very interesting to watch, but it is, yeah, it is, it is dominating the news. Just like you said, it is going to be all over the news. And we know that because in the best way possible, Grand Theft Auto 6 has been, like, the only thing I've seen on the internet. And that's actually really heartwarming because even though I consider myself kind of like a, like a, like a, I don't know, like I'm a surface level Grand Theft Auto fan, like a new Grand Theft Auto comes out, I'll buy it, I'll play it, and then I'll move on and not give a shit about it. Like, Grand Theft Auto is, like, not even in my top, I don't even know if Grand Theft Auto is in my top 100 favorite games of all time. Like, I, I genuinely just don't think that highly like I recognize the importance and the significance of Grand Theft Auto and I respect the hell out of it. It's a great game. I think Rockstar is one of the great developers of all time. Don't get me wrong. But like personally, Grand Theft Auto just like I'll take Red Dead Redemption over Grand Theft Auto any fucking day of the year for the rest of eternity and back. Like Grand Grand Theft Auto doesn't hold a fucking candle to, to Red Dead in terms of like just how much more that game does it for me. But I don't know, you know, like a new Grand Theft Auto comes out, can't help but not, you know, I notice, I'll play it, I'll have a good time, I'll move on with my life afterwards, but, you know, I'll enjoy it in the moment, it'll be nice for a week or two to be like, yeah, I'm playing the new Grand Theft Auto, and everyone else is like, oh, GTA, so, it's cool, it's exciting, it's fun, there's that kind of, like, feeling in the air where everyone's just hyped on this one thing, and it's nice because normally I pull up, like, well, actually, I've actually done a really good job of getting away from Twitter, but, you know, like, threads or Reddit or YouTube or whatever, and it's just like, I don't know, like on my feeds, on all the social apps, it's a, it's a lot of everything. I'm into a lot of random hobbies, a lot of videos about cruising and theme parks and tons and tons of video game shit. Uh, but then I have like fucking things about like like political theory and like all this political commentary shit I follow. And then like just random videos about like uh, the, the core and the mantle of the earth and fucking temperatures and like a video about active volcanoes just random shit like my my feeds everything you know that's youtube and then you go to like social media and it's a bunch of political people bitching and ranting and fighting one another and then and then theme park people trying to get style points for being cool and taking the best cupcake photo and then it's the fucking video game people trying to be the coolest video game person by ragging on this video game youtuber or commentator or podcaster and talking about why they're so much better at console wars than than this guy and it's just all the shit that makes me want to just like swallow asinine or asinine <laughs> so <laughs> all this stuff on the internet that makes me just want to be exposed to massive amounts of cyanide and just uh, and just end it all because people are insufferable. But Grand Theft Auto has been one of those rare moments, rare examples in life where it's just like, it's kind of like pure blissfulness and happiness and everyone's on the same page and everyone's just excited about something and kind of hyped and it's just, it was it's a fun moment. Like, I really appreciate, th- like, thank you, Rockstar. Thank you, Grand Theft Auto, for bringing the world together for like a single fucking second because... Not only, it's like all the video game stuff I follow talking about Grand Theft Auto. Okay, that makes sense. It's huge. All like the specific Halo and Call of Duty uh, video game stuff I follow talking about Grand Theft Auto. Okay, that's a little weird. All the political shit I follow 
talking about Grand Theft Auto. I'm like, fuck yeah. And it's like everything. It's like theme park people. Hey, Grand Theft Auto 6 looks pretty fucking cool. I'm like, I, I like this. I like this like people just kind of being excited about something and enjoying a moment rather than being like, hey, I'm the coolest guy in the theme parks and here's my vlog and here's, oh, I'm the coolest video game guy and here's why PlayStation is stupid. And I'm like, yeah, let's just talk about Grand Theft Auto and how there's a trailer and and uh, so I just thought that was I thought that was like kind of a heartwarming moment to see that there there are still some things in this world that can make that can make everyone come together and join hands and apparently it is a um, a giant open world highly detailed game that satirizes uh, just the absolute disgusting overly indulgent and ignorant. Uh, capitalist society we've constructed in American culture, and I just I, I, in 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 North America and in in the United States specifically, because that is a that's, that's what Grand Theft Auto is. It's just one big commentary on the U.S. And I guess that's the thing that brings everyone together. Either that, or just the ability to play a game where you can run around, shoot people in the face, steal their car, and then evade the cops. Because who isn't just a little bit curious about what that would be like? So I don't know. I thought I thought that was cool. I, apparently, Grand Theft Auto Six is the cure all. Um, for the for the division and the hatred that 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 fuels people in this world and more specifically on the internet. So shout out to Grand Theft Auto Six for that. Um, I where the fuck were you three years ago during the pandemic? And uh, also, I, I just gotta say, on, on the game itself, this trailer triggers me a little bit. I'm gonna be completely honest. As a uh, as a recently, um, I guess I don't know what you want to say. As as a recently. Uh, born again florida not born again but uh i, I guess reborn I'm, i've been reborn in the form of a florida man these past i guess it's been half a decade at this point of my life living here in florida and uh this game is kind of triggering me a little bit because even though grand theft auto has done the miami vice city thing before i mean we're <laughs> we're we're pretty far from the the simplistic days of gta 3 and gta vice city and and looking at a next gen Grand Theft Auto 5 plus version of Vice City, aka Miami, aka Florida, is uh it's it's just triggering me a little bit because I'm watching the people shaking their asses on the fucking car and the in the Florida man with the gator and the in the the fucking convenience store drug busts and the fucking all the all the things that looks just so insanely um uniquely Florida and it's just uh it's 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 kind of driving me nuts and it makes me wonder, will I maybe not be able to enjoy Grand Theft Auto 6 because what I see in the game is basically what I see when I open my door and walk outside now that I live in Florida and I and I think to myself maybe maybe I should just not play this game <laughs> oh man I, I wonder what it would have been like if we got a Grand Theft Auto Atlanta at one point but it, it's, it seems like Grand Theft Auto is ping-ponging this three-way ping-pong table thing of um what is it New York L.A., Miami, New York, L.A., Miami, New York, L.A., Miami, right? Because I think, what is it? Liberty City is basically New York. San Andreas and Los Santos is clearly Southern California. Uh, and then Vice City is Miami. So this is like the three locations. Although I guess old, early GTAs did have, they, they took place, some of them took place in London, right? So, dude, that would be that would be pretty cool if they did London. Although I understand why you stick with the U.S. cities because, we're a little more ridiculous, at least, or, or maybe that's kind of the perception. But I, I would agree that that the that the United States is a little more. I don't know. There's a little more to criticize and make fun of here, perhaps. So maybe it's fitting. Stay in Florida. Oh my God, I'm terrified to see what this game is like. 
But anyway, Grand Theft Auto 6, it looks good, obviously. Visually, it, I, I think, first thing I notice when it shows the first character model, goddamn, these character models look good, these graphics look great. Um, it looks like Grand Theft Auto 5, but next gen. That's what it looks like to me, set in Miami. I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun. I am curious to see what a Grand Theft Auto developed in in the timeline of games as a service and free to play and multiplayer and microtransactions and cosmetic skins and all that. Obviously, a lot of this stuff made its way into GTA 5 and GTA Online over the past 10 years, but a game that is built from the ground up with this modern era of gaming in mind, I'm very curious to see um, exactly what that what that ends up looking like as a finished product. And uh, yeah, I mean, God, this trailer has been viewed so many fucking times. Look at that. Look at that. This is the YouTube trailer for it. It is... 131 million views in four days. Absolutely insane. This video has been out for four days and still number 19 on uh, trending. That's good for you, Rockstar. Good for you. Anyway, let's uh, let's move on. So Grand Theft Auto 6, it's happening. Oh, wait. Last thing to say about Grand Theft Auto 6, something we probably should have talked about forever ago. Big thing. It comes out in 2025. A lot of people are saying, oh, it's going to come out late 2024. Nope, 2025. Um, which is, I guess, contrary to what Take-Two was talking about in their earnings call. Uh, Strauss Zelnick was saying how, like, he he was expecting a huge uh, fiscal year 24, 25 or whatever. Uh, re- a, a massive spike in revenue due to a big game coming out, which we all knew meant GTA 6. But keep in mind, fiscal years for companies can start, like, at random times of the year. And for them, I think fiscal year starts um, in around the summertime. So at the end of fiscal year 25 for them could be, I guess, early 25, 2025. I don't, I don't, whatever. So it is possible for the game to be in that fiscal year he was referring to while still coming out in 2025 instead of 2024. So fiscal year 24 would roll, would not end until 2025 for them. I don't know, but it, it, it made sense. It made sense when you do the math based on when their fiscal year begins, but I don't have that information and my brain is too tiny to think and I'm, exhausted from a long day of work so i'm not the last thing i'm going to do here is think about numbers and make that make sense so keep in mind grand theft auto 6 is probably the most ambitious and expensive game ever developed so the fact that it's coming out in 2025 i know it sucks when all is said and done it'll have been a 12 year development cycle and that is assuming the game doesn't get delayed which i am sure it will get at least one delay because what fucking game doesn't get delayed today i mean i think red dead redemption 2 got delayed twice um so i mean but right, it doesn't get delayed. It'll have been a 12-year development cycle, but I'm sure it will have been well worth it because people love their GTA, and uh, I mean, they haven't steered us wrong yet, although a lot of key people have left Rockstar, and we will talk about that to some extent because a lot of the things announced at the Game Awards are being led by ex-Rockstar people. So let's keep going. We've got a lot to get to. Uh, something I just want to note, I, let's see if this is still the, the case, but... Walmart has been selling the Xbox Series X for $350 for like almost a week. Okay, I'm checking now. It finally went up. Well, it's still not it's still not the regular $500. It's um it's the Diablo 4 Xbox Series X bundle, the more expensive console. And it was $350 for most of the week here. You know, the $500 Xbox was $350 and it came with Diablo 4. It looks like it went up to $441, which is still a heavy discount. Um, this bundle is normally $550 because it comes with Diablo. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't... Kind of crazy. Well, here it is. The standard Xbox Series X is now $400. So it went up from $350 to um, 
It went up from 350 to to uh, 400 which is still $100 off the console. So, I mean, that's a, a crazy savings. I don't know why the hell this thing is on sale like that. Um, this is a post-Black Friday thing, so I don't know what's going on here. I, I was wondering if maybe they're trying to sell off inventory because they're going to shadow drop the new Xbox Series X at the Game Awards or something, but that's that didn't end up being the case. Uh, so I, I, I don't know what this is, but I thought I'd point that out. If you're in the market for a Series X, they're not 350 anymore, but they are still on sale. So I guess go ahead and pick yourself up one. Now's a good time uh, because I don't know. I, I do worry about what that means, um, that they're just throwing this thing out at a discount. Obviously, they want to have a big penetration um, for the holiday season and get a lot of Xboxes into homes. Uh, but still, that's a little concerning to see your premier flagship gaming hardware. is just randomly slashed in price, heavily so. And uh, without any announcement or formal reasoning behind it, because Walmart wasn't the only uh, retailer doing that. I think Best Buy had it first, where it was three fifty, and that's when I was like, "This is a problem." Multiple retailers are doing that. This is a problem. But although it seems like it's bouncing back now, it seems to be five hundred most places. So don't know what that was all about. But uh, yeah, moving on. I want to acknowledge two more things. We'll talk about the Fallout TV show, uh, which just got its first trailer. But first, I want to talk about Twitch. Um, this is crazy. So Twitch has announced that they are ending service officially in the nation of South Korea in February of next year. So February 27th, uh, Twitch CEO wrote in a blog saying, This morning I shared with our community that in Korea that we've made the difficult decision to shut down the Twitch business in Korea on February 27th. We understand this is extremely disappointing news and we want to explain uh, why we made this decision and how we're planning to support those impacted. Uh, he goes on to explain how operating costs are soaring in the region. It says, the cost to operate Twitch in Korea is prohibitively expensive, and we've spent significant effort working to reduce these costs so we can find a way to uh, for Twitch as a business to remain in Korea. First, we experimented with peer-to-peer model for source quality. Then we adjusted source quality to maximum 720p. While we have lowered costs in these efforts, our network fees in Korea are still 10 times more expensive than in most other countries. The company has also been operating at a significant loss in Korea and has claimed that later um, that um, Clancy, CEO Clancy, said that this was a unique situation where they've had to close down. Quote, operating costs in Korea are significantly higher than they are in other countries. We've been open about the challenges for some time. Um, addressing the concerns of many Korean streamers. He wrote, Twitch streaming in Korea has devoted a significant uh, time and effort. Twitch streamers in Korea have devoted significant time and effort into building their communities, and we plan to help these communities find new homes, even if it's regrettably not on Twitch. Don't know what that means. What are you going to do? Just offload these people to fucking YouTube and Facebook or something like that? Like, how's that, how's that even work? Uh, quote, we will keep these, we will work with these Twitch streamers in Korea to move their communities to alternative live streaming services. So there's another, uh, I forget what it's called, um, streaming service that's big in Korea. I forget, uh, man, I had the name of it because I was reading about this. I was trying to learn more about this. Um, and it seems like most people are kind of quickly jumping ship over to that one. I forget, it has a really weird name. Um, anyway, but um, apparently this is not, at first I was like, fuck you, Twitch. This is so shitty, especially when you think about the streamers that... Uh, <laughs> The streamers that had built a, a, a complete brand and living and in, in, in life for themselves on Twitch, at, you know, being Korean, living in Korea and, and being professional Twitch streamers and how it's just basically like, like coming in and cleaning house and saying, you're all fired. Fuck you. Figure it out. We're out of here. And that's 
terrifying. That's tough. <laughs> Uh, and it, it looks like this is an ongoing problem that a lot of companies are having in Korea. Um, so I've been reading about this. I don't know exactly what it is. I'm not savvy enough to understand this, but internet service providers or ISPs um, normally cover a certain streaming fee. You know, it's covered in your cost of, of I guess, as a person subscribing to it. So like if you have Spectrum or or, or uh, Frontier or AT&T or whatever Wi-Fi you have at home, it's like there is a this cost associated with streaming that is generally included in the price of your subscription for your internet. And in most countries, it's relatively low cost and it's kind of paid by the consumer. But in Korea, I guess a law has been passed or or there is some there is some something with their internet service providers where there is a bandwidth kind of operating expense that gets passed on to the companies that operate on the internet i guess so i guess let me, let me try to explain i'm so bad at this stuff so basically like twitch is a bandwidth intensive platform because you are streaming you're streaming to millions of people um i guess at any given point you know tens of tens or hundreds of thousands of people and so the bandwidth associated with operating and running a website like that in korea is super expensive because the cost of using all that bandwidth and streaming to all those people all at once is the responsibility of Twitch to pay and maintain. Whereas in most countries, that fee is one, cheaper, and two, the responsibility of the internet service provider to pay. Um, so it's becoming increasingly expensive for a lot of websites to operate in Korea, especially if you're like Twitch or YouTube or something that's very media intensive, very streaming intensive. And in fact, Netflix recently had like, it was like, there's some huge story in Korea about like, Netflix having to raise prices or make some deal with internet service providers in order to keep making like for it to keep making business sense for them to even operate in, in South Korea. And so this isn't, you know, Twitch isn't the only company that's run into this problem and is, and is, is facing financial stress, you know, stress trying to make this work. And I just think it's such a fucking shitty situation because technically when you put it in that, in that context and you realize that Twitch is kind of, you know, as a business trying to operate and make a profit and do it uh, in a way that makes sense for them as a company, it's like, I, I get the decision to have to do this, but like, fuck, I mean, that's, that's a big market and you don't want to lose that market because Korea is a, and we're going to talk about this more and more throughout the podcast because this happened a lot at the Game Awards where you're seeing like Korean developers and publishers are on the rise. Korean made games are becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. And I mean, some of the biggest esports players have, have, you know, for the longest time been coming out of Korea and it's a big country for like hardcore gaming, for competitive gaming, for esports, for streaming and, and, and things like that. So, you know, if you're Twitch, the biggest game esports streaming service out there, and you're going to leave all this opportunity, all these people, all this exposure, all this talent, all this um, coverage on the table. Like, that's that's terrible for your brand. So this had to have been a huge financial imperative for them to have to make this decision. And I just, I don't know. I mean, there's no real, I guess, answer to this or, or anything to talk about beyond that. But I just want to put that out there because this is... Kind of a big deal. I know obviously it doesn't affect 99% of people listening to this podcast because I don't know if Xbox on one is if Xbox on has ever had one single listener in Korea in all of the four plus years that the show's been around. But you know, it's big big news nonetheless. I mean it's about to get a it's about to get a whole lot less competitive on Twitch, I suppose. So that's that sucks. And obviously, you know, your thoughts go out to all the fucking streamers out there who are just now 
kind of being thrown out on their asses, having to figure out what to do now, you know, if they've made a living for themselves on Twitch. So that's, that's shitty. All right. Last thing I want to talk about before we get into the main news guys is fallout the TV show. So this week, not only did we get the grand theft auto trailer, but we got the fallout TV shows first trailer. So yeah. So the Amazon prime, speaking of Amazon, speaking of Twitch, cause Twitch is owned by Amazon. Amazon Prime Video has a new Fallout TV show that is, or, or, or yeah, TV series being made that comes out. Um, the first episode airs next uh, next April, April twelfth, twenty twenty four, and uh, the show's showrunner is Jonathan Nolan of Westworld, and he's working closely with Todd Howard at Bethesda to craft this story. So it's apparently takes place after the events of fallout four. It's um, it's, it's a very close collaboration between some really well-respected sci-fi sci-fi storytellers in Hollywood with uh, key people at Bethesda. So it seems like they got some good people working together, collaborating on this project, but it looks like, um, I don't know. The, tra- the first trailer came out. I watched it. I got it pulled up right here for reference. And it seems like most people are in agreement that the show looks kind of solid you know we saw those photos last week of the show and we were talking about what we thought you know based on the pictures and whatever cautiously optimistic i gotta say after seeing the trailer i'm not like over the moon excited i don't necessarily care for all these video game adaptations we're getting on tv and movies aside from like sonic the hedgehog and um so like i don't really have too much to say or think about this but other than to say like it it doesn't look bad you know like i think they're kind of in some ways capturing the tone and the atmosphere and the setting looks good. The sets look good. The costume design looks good. Um, it looks kind of like what you expect Fallout. It looks a little dark and sadistic and humorous. And uh, it's, so it's got a lot of those Fallout tropes. I think some of the CGI looks a little rough on, on like some of the um, armor suits and stuff like that. But I don't know. It looks uh, it looks crazy. It looks wild. It looks like Fallout. So I'm, I'm remaining in the camp of cautiously optimistic. I, I definitely want to give this show a try when it comes out next spring and uh hey hopefully it's good the last of us proved that video games can have great tv shows and uh halo showed that uh it proved to us that video games are more than capable of of also still being terrible tv shows in, in movies so um will it will the fallout show be more like the last of us or more like more like uh, uh halo well that is to be determined we'll find out probably next april on amazon prime video so I don't have much to say about it. It looks, it looks fine. It looks, looks good. So we'll see. It is nice to see people seem to be generally pretty optimistic about it, you know, but then again, we were all optimistic about the halo show. And then we saw master chiefs butt cheeks for like 20 minutes uh, or that. At least that's how long that scene felt in my mind. All right. That's it for all of our small news stories. Just keep it kind of brief as, as much as we can there, because again, we just have so much to get to uh, with the game awards and with news after that. So, Let's move on um, almost to the Game Awards. We'll get into that in a second. Um, first, I want to tell you about the games I've been playing this week before we talk about all that. Uh, but before I can tell you about the games I've been playing this week, I, I real quick got to tell you about what I've been eating. That's right. We're not so busy that I can't tell you about the food I've been ingesting in order to sustain myself. And uh, I just want to give a little bit of, I guess, let me, let me, let me roll this back. I want to come clean and admit a part of myself to you guys, okay? I, um, sometimes I don't like to admit this, but I think, especially when it comes to food, I have a little bit sometimes of like a hipsterish mentality about certain things, about 
styles, preparation techniques and, and food and things like that. Maybe because I worked in restaurants for so long, I worked in some nicer restaurants towards the end of my time in the restaurant industry. And I just have exposure to a lot of like bar stuff and coffee stuff and food stuff and like, you know, working in like high-end Japanese restaurants and stuff. It's like, okay, I, I know the difference between like the American perception of like shitty sushi rolls with yum yum sauce on it versus like real nigiri and with like proper Japanese techniques and aging your fish and, and using the, the sushi rice that's made with the right rice wine vinegar mixture and, and the temperature at which you eat your sushi and, and all these things and like how Americans have a very distorted version of like this and that. And I worked under bartenders and learned about classic cocktails and, and in craft cocktails and craft beer and all those things. And I, and with that comes the inevitable because hipsters, if there's anything hipsters love more than shitty music, expensive food and terrible atmosphere in the restaurants, it is coffee. And so in the midst of learning all that hipster ass bullshit about sake and, and, and izakayas and, and gastropubs and all that bullshit, I learned about coffee and in Atlanta, there are a lot of local roasters and local coffee shops and there's tons of places that want to expose you to the real coffee and the right way to drink coffee and the best types of coffee beans and best roasts and all it. And, um, I spent most of my young years being exposed to like nice coffee, good coffee, proper techniques of making coffee. And so I, I was always, a. Uh, Honestly, when it came to making my coffee at home, it was always, you know, buy a nice brand quality bean. Like, you know, if you're in Atlanta, everyone gets revolutions, the best coffee, you know, get the whole beans, grind them yourself. Although I didn't do that because I don't fucking have a coffee grinder. But, you know, the French press, take the 20 minutes to make yourself a nice cup of coffee, French press, uh, you know, little to no sugar, you know, putting cream or dairy in your coffee is for when you have a cafe latte, you don't want to be pouring milk and cream and sugar. Here, here's the honest to God truth, man. I've been fighting a side of myself forever. Maybe it's the Mountain Dew lover in me. Maybe it's the Taco Bell fan in me, but I've been fighting this side of me that while I do appreciate the finer side of coffee and the proper ways of brewing and exposure and these beans and all that garbage, there is a part of me that has always really secretly loved just the shitty ass coffee. It's the part of me that loves, you know, that one in every 40 times you go to Dunkin' Donuts and the coffee's really good and you're like, wow, this was $2. It's the part of me that doesn't necessarily mind a 6 a.m. racetrack gas station coffee because it'll do the job for $1.49, you know what I mean? And there's just something about that coffee that I've always kind of resonated with. And within the realm of shitty coffee, good coffee, and just quick coffee, there's one particular method of making coffee and way of accessing coffee that has always been taboo in the hipster trash bag world that I've always had a secret little crush on that I have now decided that I'm just going to say, fuck it, and I'm going to wholesale embrace this, this coffee uh, method. And, I, and I'm, I'm going to go as far as to say is like, this is just full stop the way I'm doing my coffee because it makes me happy and I'm a goddamn adult who has to make my own decisions and think and feel for myself. And so here it is. I'm drawing the line. The French press has been retired. I moved into the house and I looked at my exhausted, poor, sad little French press. It's been abused for years. And I said, enough is enough. I'm tired of having to wake up an extra 20 minutes early every morning so I can make a cup of coffee. Coffee should be waking me up. I shouldn't be waking up for coffee. You know what I'm saying, bitches? And so I went out on Black Friday and I went to Target and I said, yes, I would like to purchase this $100 Keurig machine on Black Friday for the low price of $50. That's right. I got 50% off a Keurig mini. It is a $50 little machine. 
And I know what a Keurig is. I've used a Keurig before. My stepmother had one back in my father's house. Uh, and I've been to various people's houses where they've had Keurigs. I stayed at Airbnb a few months ago for my buddy's bachelor party. They had a Keurig. It was it was the first time in years I'd used one. And the, the truth of the matter is, I know. It's not cool to like Keurig. The cups are bad for the environment. Fuck you. The cups are more expensive than coffee grounds. Fuck you. Uh, the machines are harder to clean. Not really. Oh, that's not real coffee. It burns it. The temperature is all wrong. Uh, Keurigs are either always too hot or always too cold. You get the, the the wrong, you can't control the temperature of your coffee. It's bad coffee. Fuck you. You know what I did? I went to fucking Target. I bought the Keurig for 50 bucks Black Friday sale. I go on over to Sam's Club, which is my favorite store slash church. It is my favorite place. It's my place of meditation. It's my place of worship. And you know what I bought at, at, at fucking Sam's Club? I got the 100 count Members Mark, Sam's Club brand, Donut Shop Coffee K-Cups. $25 for 100 K-Cups. Okay? We're at like fucking 20-something cents a cup of coffee here, okay? It can't be that expensive. It's, it beats your $7 cup of Starbucks, okay? And I gotta be honest. Would would the people back home in Atlanta laugh at me and, and, and gasp if they saw that I was using a Keurig? and drinking Sam's Club brand coffee and destroying our environment with my K-cups and saying, the temperature of your waters, shh. Bitch, I put half and half in this thing and I put a spoonful of sugar. Like like uh, like Mary Poppins says, it helps the medicine go down, bitch. So I got my Keurig, I got my Sam's Club coffee, I got a little cream and sugar in there and you know what? The past two weeks, homeowner, baby. I come down, I wake up, my house, my rules, I come downstairs, my house, my rules. I turn on my fucking Keurig. I put my Sam's Club coffee in there. Coffee's made in 30 seconds. Fuck you, French press. You you, you shouldn't be called French press. You should be called French oppressed because I have been oppressed by your methods of coffee for all these years. Because you know what? I like the taste of the mediocre Sam's Club coffee and I like the way the Keurig makes my cup and I like the convenience of throwing out the little pod when I'm done and being like, wow, 30-second cup of coffee. Let's go out the fucking door and get to work. I like it. And it's my lifestyle. And maybe it means I'm turning into a suburban fucking uh, uh, white sneakers and blue je- baggy blue jeans and uh, belts and polo shirts kind of suburban mow your lawn and fucking drive a SUV dad. I don't fucking care. It's fine. I have a cat. She's my daughter. I take her to school and I embarrass her in front of her friends. What do you want? I love my Keurig. I embrace my new coffee lifestyle. And if I I don't look at it as my, my tastes and my preference have diminished and my my understanding and respect for for coffee as an art form has diminished and 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 become bastardized i look at it as i have assimilated with the normal majority of human beings who just want a delicious fast convenient cup of coffee in a form that everyone can get behind and that's what keurig offers so shout out to keurig shout out to sam's club i love you sam's club and uh yeah i'm a keurig man now so i'm not ashamed of it i'm admitting it I'll I'll grind my fucking coffee beans uh, when when uh, when the when China sends off the EMPs and we lose everything and we gotta go back to growing our own fucking beans like we're like we're in I don't know we we really don't coffee beans grown here are kind of shitty. In fact, my favorite local brewer, quote unquote local brewer, which is kind of huge, uh, Joffrey's. They do the Disney coffee. They grow a lot of their beans here. They suck. Too acidic. But I love their coffee anyway. All right, we can keep going. That's it for what I've been eating. Shout out to the Keurig. Let's talk about Halo. 
All right, what I've been playing, let's talk about what I've been playing real quick. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm still in, like, total moving overload mode. Um, actually, I'm really excited because I think this weekend is the first time in a month where I've had uh, free time, and I'm I, I, I'm actually so excited I kind of want to cry. Uh, but, yeah, la- last two weekends ago, we finally finished moving, finally got out of the apartment, cleaned everything up. I wanted to fucking kill myself. That was the most miserable weekend of my life. Literally spent the whole 48 hours cleaning, sleeping, cleaning, sleeping. And um, then this past weekend, we moved into the house, but everything in the house is a freaking mess. We're just living around boxes and junk everywhere. And I wanted to unpack and get moved into the house, but my buddy's wedding was last weekend. So I spent the whole weekend, an hour and a half away from home on the coast at a wedding, doing wedding things, being a part of a wedding. So I had to do all that. It was a great time. Shout out to my buddy. Happy for you and your boo and your marriage. I hope you guys love each other forever and always. Uh, But finally, the wedding's gone. The move is gone. The apartment's done. I gave my keys. I said, here's your apartment. Tell the neighbor downstairs to stop letting his dog shit all over the floor. Thank you. And, uh, And I said goodbye. And now this weekend, baby, I get to play video games. Like, I, I can't fucking wait, dude. I'm having, I, I'm like freaking out. I don't even know what to do with myself. I'm like, should I go buy Mario Wonder? I'll buy Mario Wonder. And then I, and then I don't buy Mario Wonder. But I don't know. I could play Modern Warfare 3. I barely played Modern Warfare 3. I could get to, I could get to that. I could play Halo Infinite. I, I don't know. So I've been playing a little bit of Halo Infinite. Like, every couple of days, I'll be like, I'm going to force myself to play video games for like 20, 30 minutes just so I can like try and get back into like my normal routine, my normal healthy routine of giving me some me time occasionally to to play my video games and unwind from a long day. So when I've been doing that, I'm like, I, I keep sitting down with the intention of I'm going to play Modern Warfare 3 because it just came out and I barely played it. And then I end up going, nah, and I boot up Halo Infinite and I've been playing the Halo 3 playlist that, that's been going on and it's been so much fun. I play like three or four matches, have a really good time, and then I hop off um, until until the next time. But also, Firefight just came to Halo Infinite. It's it's different. I feel like every Halo game, they got to change Firefight for some reason. But now it's, it's King of the Hill, but it's also Firefight. So I'm really excited to get into that this weekend and give that a try and talk about it next week. But yeah, I've just been playing a little bit of Halo Infinite here and there, and that's really it. I downloaded Roller Drome. I started it really thought I was going to be into this game. Um, it is a cool game. I'm just I'm not in the mood for it at all. I played like 30 minutes of it. I was like, no, back to Halo. And so, you know, about two or three nights so far over the past week, I've, I've played like 30 minutes of video games per night for two or three nights. And it's just been, it's been nice, like uh, between the wedding and the moving and all the shit and trying to go back to work while doing all these other things, sneaking in little, little bits of Halo here in between the sips of Keurig coffee, trying to get a little bit of Halo Infinite. And uh, honestly, I think it's the thing that's keeping me sane. I love you, Halo Infinite. Thank you. And now this weekend, I'm really excited to get back to gaming. I, I very tempted to, to get either Sonic Superstars or Mario Wonder because I really want to play both of those games. Um, but I also want to play Call of Duty because I barely played it, but I also am really into Halo Infinite at the moment. And I want to play that Avatar game in a few weeks when it goes on sale, probably, definitely. And... I'm overwhelmed with choice, but also I'm like, I feel rusty because I just haven't been able to play video games in, in a while. So I'm excited. I'm nervous. It's happening. I say we start with Halo Infinite Firefight and uh, we'll talk about that next week. Other than that, anytime I have free time while I'm cooking, while I'm cleaning dishes, while I'm just trying to fall asleep at night, whatever it is, Royal Caribbean cruise videos. I don't know what it is about it. I moved and I've just been so stressed by everything in my life right now 
that the only thing that's bringing me like true bliss and happiness is like my hour long commutes to and from work. I'm just listening to like the Royal Caribbean blog podcast. And then like at nighttime, I'm like falling asleep. So I put on YouTube and I put on the Royal Caribbean blog, YouTube videos. I'm like watching 45 minute ship tours of cruise boats. I'm probably never going to go on and, and like videos of like this dude, like here's a 30 minute buffet of me, a video of me filming the whole buffet at a Royal Caribbean cruise. Look at this. And I don't know what it, it has to be Royal Caribbean. I don't know what it is. A, a month ago, I liked all cruises. I like Disney cruises. I like Norwegian. I like the carnival. I like them all. I want, I just liked cruises. Now all of a sudden it's specifically Royal Caribbean. I guess I've become a Royal Caribbean stan, even though I don't, I don't have a whole lot of experience with this brand anyway. And, I don't know. It's something's wrong with me. Okay. I'm just trying to, it's like, I'm trying to resume my old habits and lifestyle and everything that I had a month ago while also trying to accept that some things are different. Routines are changing. Uh, I gotta, I, I gotta go, I gotta go get a, a, a lawnmower. I gotta go. This, this grass is getting tall guys. So anyway, uh, Halo Infinite, Firefight, World Caribbean, Keurig Coffee, Sounds like we covered everything. Let's wrap it up. That's it for this week's pod. Oh wait, and the game awards. So let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about the game awards. I'm gonna take a quick break, and we'll come back and talk about all the big announcements that just happened on Thursday night at Jeff Keighley's The Game Awards 2023. All right, so let's just jump right into the game awards 2023, baby. So I guess the way we're gonna do this is all right. How do we want to attack this? Um, as the game awards took place last night. I just I had my surface here and I was just kind of typing along as things were getting announced, being like, okay, this is announced. Here's and I just wrote some like information like video game, developer, publisher, release date, platforms, initial thoughts, right? Like game looks good, game looks boring, looks cool, reminds me of this. Oh, another look at this. This game got you know, whatever. So I kind of jotted down some notes and then before I recorded today, I went through and like flushed some out so I could give myself little pointers, things to remember that I wanted to touch on, I guess, as we talk about this, but I guess that's just to say it's going to be a little rough. It's going to be a little raw off the cuff, but uh, you don't don't like it raw and off the cuff. Um, So, yeah, that's how we're going to do this. We're basically just going to go in the order things were announced. There are certain things I left out because there's just so much announced, so much that's shown. There are certain things where either obviously like, oh, that's a PlayStation-only game. We're not going to talk about that. Left that off the list. Or in some cases, it was like, Yes, this is coming to Xbox, but I don't give a shit about this game or it's not a huge announcement or it's like there's just, you know, whatever. There's not enough enthusiasm and time and energy to be focused on this. So there are certain things I did leave off, but all the big stuff I encapsulated here as well as some uh, smaller things that I was interested in. So I tried to be pretty inclusive, pretty all-encompassing, and uh, I think I think it's, it's a comprehensive enough take we got here. So let's just kind of go through it. Starting with, in the pre-show, uh, they announced Persona 3 and 4. Uh, are now on Game Pass. We knew that they were coming to Game Pass for a while, but they are officially available for Game Pass now, so that's uh, a thing we got a trailer for. Um, they also showed a trailer for uh, a sequel to World of Goo, which I thought was crazy. Now, I don't know for sure that this will be on Xbox um, because the original World of Goo, for those who don't remember, World of Goo was this kind of like Xbox Live Arcade-style game that was for the Wii. It was available in like 2008, 7 2008 for the Wii Virtual Console and it was one of the very few original games it wasn't an old school like NES SNES game that was made available on the Virtual Console it was like an original Xbox Live indie arcade style type game called World of Goo Goo. it was a puzzle game where you use the Wii remote to like point and build with like these little gooey blob characters and like build bridges and and like 
solve puzzles and stuff and connect dots essentially like try and solve these these little intricate puzzles these little bite-sized puzzles kind of like i don't know it's kind of in a way like like mobile games before mobile games were big and also like just soft fun easy lighthearted, you know family friendly puzzle games uh before you know crazy brain-breaking ridiculous games like the witness came out so it's a i don't know it's kind of like a, a game before it's time in some ways and i think it's kind of fondly remembered in the nintendo fan space if you were around during the wii days but um yeah that was world of goo and so haven't thought about that game in many many years but was pleasantly surprised to see that they're making a sequel and it was it looks pretty good it looks like more of world of goo but yeah it was cool to see that but they didn't announce platforms release dates anything so i put it in here because maybe it'll be on xbox but honestly i don't know how you would make a sequel to world of goo now that the Wii is dead, like, I don't, is it for the Switch and it requires motion controls or is it for VR and you have to use the VR joysticks and stuff to move in real, in like, in a 3D space? Like, I, I have no clue how this fucking works. So I just put it on there because I thought it was cool to see that this game is being revived and getting a new entry. And also I'm curious and maybe it does come to Xbox. So I just thought I'd put it in there. But, um, and then we got one more little quick one before we get into like actual announcements that I want to stop and take the time to talk about. Uh, next one would be Met, uh, Metaphor Refantasio. That that is that new Persona style game. It's like fantasy. It, you know, Persona is like the real world kind of scenario. Metaphor Refantasio is going to be more like uh, Persona, but like in a fantasy kind of setting. Um, this was announced at the Xbox Showcase earlier this year, and now it's uh, we have confirmed that it's coming out in the fall uh, of next year. So we, no specific date, but next fall this game will be coming out, and the marketing is still tied with Xbox because the Xbox logo was still all over the ad. Now, of course, while this will, will come to PlayStation for sure, um, this might be a timed Xbox exclusive, or at the very least, it's just going to have its marketing uh, tie-in affiliated with Xbox, which is pretty good get for Microsoft. But yeah, that's going to be metaphor refantasio i don't have much to say about this because i just uh, i just personally not very interested in it so i'm not going to sit here and um, waste your time talking about it otherwise but worth noting nonetheless and then we get into our first announcement which i would say is like oh okay this fucking looks cool so a brand new game by a new team jeff keely gets out there on stage he's like welcome to the game awards i'm jeff keely i'm nice i let kids uh step all over me and take money out of my wallet and uh, he was like, I want to introduce a very special guest onto the stage, uh, Hollywood celebrity Matthew McConaughey. And I'm not making that up. Matthew McConaughey comes on stage and he's like, hey, guys, I'm like 60 years old, but I still look like I'm 38. And I'm Matthew McConaughey and I got a handsome, a handsome boy smile and I got a world premiere for you. I'm like, oh, this is just like last year where they had Al Capone come out. It's like why they get these jabronis. They don't give a shit about video games. What are they doing here? And then uh, Matthew McConaughey is like, hey, I don't know what I'm doing here, but I'm in my first video game ever and I want to show you all about it in this world premiere. I'm like, OK, world premiere. Uh, Xbox wants their branding back. And then um, they show this game called Exodus, which actually looks fucking awesome. Like this is a instant must play for me. Now, to be completely fair, we don't see too much of the game. It's mostly CG, but we see a little, little bit of the game. We see it. We see enough of the game to know, okay, this is, this is a, I need to play this fucking game. So it's, let me explain what it is a little bit. It is a new game from a new team called archetype entertainment um it is being written by i forget the guy's name but he is the guy who wrote mass effect uh he also worked on anthem and he worked with bioware he worked on kotor 
Um, so he's, he's old, long-running Bioware talent who worked on, you know, all the big Bioware games. And it is a new space sci-fi game. It is, uh, it is a, uh, I guess they don't really say, well, let me see if they say what kind of game it is. They describe it as, I don't think they described what kind of game it is. But looking by the, by the gameplay that's in the trailer, um, it looks pretty much like, fine, we'll go make our own Mass Effect. That's kind of what it looks like. Uh, like Bioware and EA are going to fumble Mass Effect for a billion years. We'll go make our own Mass Effect. That's what this game is like. And so it has like this little cinematic opening trailer scene. It's a little sad. Uh, some stuff happened. The, the guy gets separated from the girl in space capsule and time dilation. And instantly I'm like, this is motherfucking that Buzz Lightyear movie that came out last year. Yes, I need a video game for Buzz Lightyear. Please, let's do this. It's Mass Effect. It's Anthem. It's Lightyear. It's sci-fi, and it's that movie I just watched a few months ago called The Creator. It's like all the things I want, and it's rolled into this new, what looks like choice-based uh, action role-playing space sci-fi game. And it just looks insanely AAA, insanely beautiful, really fun. Um, they don't say who's publishing this game, which I'm really confused about. Actually, no, it says... Uh, okay, actually, let me take that back. I think Wizards of the Coast... Holy fuck, Wizards of the Coast are, um, yeah, are publishing this. The I, I know they're getting into more game publishing, but that's the, the the Magic the Gathering company. What the fuck? All right, I that that's crazy. I don't know how this game's going to... I'm curious about how this game's going to turn out with kind of an unproven developer, unproven um, publisher, but, I mean, judging by the trailer alone, it looks like next-gen Mass Effect, and... Honestly, and I say this as someone who needs to finally sit down and play Mass Effect, and this is going to rub some people the wrong way. As someone who doesn't have a personal affinity for Mass Effect because I never played it, it just looks kind of a little bit cooler than Mass Effect, although I'm sure Mass Effect's better. Blah, 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 blah. It just, I don't know. As someone who doesn't have experience with either, it looks, it looks it at least is piquing my interest a little more. So, I don't know. I think this looks fucking awesome, and I want to play it now. So, Exodus... Very high up my anticipated games list um, automatically. Looks badass. I want space sci-fi. I want a game that is basically like, what if that Lightyear movie that came out last year were, were a video game? And I want things that are like Mass Effect, but made accessible for uh, modern gaming, you know, by the conventions of modern gaming. And I, I just, I think this game looks like it's it. So uh, a blog post announcing the game, I gave a little excerpt describing the game and they put it as the following. Having flooded dying Earth, humanity has found a new home in a hostile galaxy. The game's description reads, Lightyear. Uh, Here we are the underdogs fighting our final battle for survival. You are a traveler, humanity's last hope. Uh, your destiny is to lead the travelers to the stars in the hunt to steal alien weapons and technology from the most powerful enemy in the universe, the Celestials. Leading the fight for salvation, you will be forced to make sacrifices, putting everyone you love at risk. How much are you willing to sacrifice? I want to play this game right now. Let me make this abundantly clear. I want this game yesterday. Um, I, I need to stop being a bitch and go play Mass Effect because it's probably the only thing that's going to hold me over between now and then. I also want to go back and play more Starfield. Goddamn, I want to play a lot of games and I have no time. But yeah, Exodus immediately on the map for me just looks so fucking cool. So this game, awesome. What a great way to start your show. New IP, no one saw it coming, looks badass, awesome. So I'm super high on that. 
All right, next up, we see um, a new game by Australian developer House House, which is the people that did that Untitled Goose game a few years ago that was quite popular, a little charming indie-style game. Um, and they announced and revealed their new game, which is called Big Walk. comes out in 2025. And I don't know how you would describe this game, but it looks very chill. You got, like, these little bird-type humanoid uh, characters running around this 3D space, and it looks uh, very simplistic, very, like, it looks very zen in the way of Minecraft, but it doesn't look like Minecraft. And I don't know what you do in this game. I don't know if you craft. I don't know if you chill out. I don't know if there's narrative content. I don't know what the fuck you do, but it looks very cute and zen, and I would like to see more of this game. It has a, a, a charm to it, kind of like how Untitled Goose Game had, except Untitled Goose Game was a little more straightforward with what it what it appeared to be. Uh, but, yeah, this, this game, this, this team just has a knack for just making charming-looking games that seem fun and relaxing and, and just compelling to look at and uh looks like they've done that again here and i'm i'm interested to see more of this game at future events uh next up they showed lego fortnite which i thought was already announced uh before the game awards maybe it was but they showed a trailer for it lego fortnite is available now within fortnite we don't have to talk about that but i'm sure it will draw a lot of attention and get many many players next up we got our first of three big xbox showings at this event so yeah uh there there are three of them we're gonna talk about this is our first one and this is the one that i assumed would be there that i think most probably assumed would be here i think probably most of you listening if you had any kind of predictions or uh, assumptions of what would be there from xbox game studios at the um at the event i, I i'm sure this was on your bingo card but it is hellblade 2 senua's saga uh the actress that plays senua um, came out on stage and uh, some bands that's apparently famous came out on stage and they played some Hellblade type song where they banged on the drums of, of buffalo skins and and hummed and and uh, yeah as 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 Dachshund Daddy said in the Twitch chat um, <laughs> uh, what what did you say uh, Slipknot has gotten soft and uh, yeah so they played a little song and then they showed a trailer a new trailer for Hellblade two. And they addressed the concern people had with the last trailer that we saw over the summer, which is they showed actual combat this time. So we saw the game running in action with combat. And you know what my takeaway is? Hellblade 2. And I know, ooh, the graphics are so impressive. Oh, the mocap they're doing is so impressive. Oh, no, no, trust me. It was totally worth it that they took six years to make this game and all blah, blah, blah. That's fine. I hope they're making the game they want and that they're, you know, it's coming along to the standards and expectations they hoped for. The, the thing is, um, to me, what we've seen of Hellblade 2, especially now we have a really in-depth trailer that shows narrative, cinematic, gameplay, combat, all that. Um, Hellblade 2 looks like more Hellblade. Um, it is kind of what I feared it would be. I, I, I must say as someone, I want to be excited and optimistic for all these new Xbox first party games. Hellblade two is pretty damn low on my hype list. Uh, because even though I really liked the first Hellblade game that felt to me like a really nice contained one-off game that you enjoy for like six hours and then you move on with your life and then you would remember fondly. It did not seem like a, a franchise or an IP that we need to go back and, and re-explore time and time again. So, I don't know. Having had Hellblade 2 hung over our heads now for four years, because this was announced in 2019 at the Game Awards, I, I can confidently say that what we've seen of Hellblade 2 so far has reaffirmed my suspicion 
in my apprehension with this game, which is that it is a very big budget, long in development, long in the tooth sequel to a game that did not need a sequel. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope the game comes out and it's like fucking awesome. And it's like, oh yeah, this is like, if you took the Hellblade from 2017 and made it like God of War, it's amazing. The combat's phenomenal. The story's even better than the last one. And so it's so great. You can feel every every penny that went into this game with how high the production value and how, how evolved the formula is compared to the first. I, I hope all those things are true and that I eat my words. But from what we've seen from the many trailers we've gotten, and now finally getting some more extensive uh, looks at like the combat and stuff. Hellblade 2 just looks like another Hellblade game when this is a game that probably didn't need a sequel. So that's that's it. Still no specific release date, just a vague 2024 date. So you can assume they're hitting, they're gunning for uh, probably a fall 2024. I hope this doesn't get delayed into 2025 because this game's just been in development for so long. But uh, we shall see. That's Hellblade. That is the first of three Xbox Game Studios announcements, first-party Xbox game-type announcements we got at the show. Uh, spoiler alert, the other two that we will talk about, in my opinion, are far more exciting than this one, but um, we'll get to them in order in time. Next up, um, that lady... Man, what's her name? Uh, oh, I didn't write her name down. Um, the lady that was at uh, Tango Gameworks... Ikumi Nakamura, the the lady who worked at Tango Gameworks, who used to work at Platinum Games. She worked on like Bayonetta and all those games, and then she worked with um, Tango on uh, The Evil Within. And she was she was uh, she was like creative leader or something. She was like pretty high up working on Ghostwire Tokyo. She was um, I think she was project lead on Ghostwire Tokyo, and then she left. Go uh, in the middle of the development of Ghostwire Tokyo, and she went to go like have a kid and. She said her life was too stressful. Her work life was too stressful and she needed to step back. Um, well, she she's back. And for some reason, Jeff Keighley invites her on stage. He's like, Ikumi Nakamura, for her first time coming back uh, into the games industry, um, she's here. She's got this new game in development. And I told her, yeah, I know you don't have a publisher yet, but I, I want to encourage you to show this game off because it's really cool. So she's showing her brand new game from her brand new studio that she's founded. And it doesn't have a publisher yet, but we think it's really great. And we want to share it with you. And so her new development studio she, she has is called Unseen. And the game that she announced is called Kimuri. K K K yeah, Kimuri, which is a, uh, again, it's just a CG trailer. So we don't really know what the game is, but they said it's like, you play as like this girl and she's like hunting, hunting yokai or hunting um, ghosts. And it's like this really stylish, crazy, over-the-top trailer. And she's running around through like these uh this like city trying to like capture ghosts. I'm like, I can see some of that ghostwire Tokyo influence. While clearly this is also not a horror game. It's trying to be stylish and do all these other things. And then I don't know, I just thought it was a really weird looking, interesting looking CGI trailer that offers you no insight as to what the fuck this game is. And yeah, all we know is she's back at work. She's got a new game. It's called Kamuri. She's got a new developer. It's called Unseen. They don't have a publisher yet, and they're making some action yokai hunting game, and we'll hear more about it at a diff different day, but I thought that was an interesting announcement, All um, and you know, good for her. She's back. Hopefully, she's making a game she's passionate about and loves, and um, we'll see you when you're ready to show the game, because I don't know what the fuck this game is right now. Next up, they showed um, the first game from Moon Studios, 
since Ori and the Will of the Wisps. So, yeah, Ori, uh, Moon Studios, these guys were working with Xbox for a while. They made both the Ori games. Uh, critically acclaimed kind of darling games for Xbox One, really. And it's it's too bad that Microsoft wasn't able to lock these guys down because here they are with their next game, and it looks like they're kind of expanding the scale and scope of the games they're making now because their new game is called No Rest for the Wicked, and it is an action role-playing game being published by Private Division. And, uh, yeah, it's supposed to come out in early access on PC in, in March, on March 1st. And then later it will come out to console, so Xbox, uh, although the specific day has not been announced. I thought this looks good. It's not as visually striking and captivating as, like, the Ori games are. Um, but it looks good enough. Um, it's a little too fantasy for my liking, but action role-playing probably could be fun. Um, I think Microsoft probably slept on not getting these guys because... I don't know. I feel like these guys would have been a good fit for Xbox, but here they are working independently. No Xbox, uh, but of course this game will be coming to Xbox, so at least we'll still be able to play it. But yeah, that's Moon Studios and their new game, No Rest for the Wicked. Uh, next up, they did a sizzle reel for Game Pass. I just thought I'd throw that in there. That was an advertisement for Game Pass. Who cares? Uh, then uh, Gonzo from the Muppets came out and talked to Jeff Keighley, and they talked about chickens, and I don't understand what his whole thing with chickens is, but yeah, he's apparently got like a fetish for, for chickens. Uh, yeah, the next, okay, so next up, this is not one of the three Xbox announcements, but I, I must say, this next announcement is by far my favorite thing from this whole, this whole event, this whole showcase. This was by far the most hyped I got this whole time, and I gotta pull this up just to talk about it here. Um, let me pull this up because I just, I just wanna look at these pictures and watch this trailer as we talk about this. This is, to me, just so fucking cool. So Sega had, uh, so okay, so they're like next up, Sega is gonna show some some shit. It's a big deal. I'm like, okay, and we knew Sega was gonna be at the Game Awards in some meaningful way. And in my mind, I kept thinking, oh, you know, maybe they're gonna talk about Super Game, their Project Super Game that they keep talking about internally, and like we don't know what it is. And I have all these theories about what it might be, and I'm really curious to learn more about it. So I'm trying to figure out what Super Game is, and then they announce, they show this trailer. And it's like these, this, these two people sitting on the couch playing a video game. Looks like they're holding an Xbox controller, but it's kind of nondescript. And then it goes like kind of like classic Sega from the 90s a little bit where like, Sega! And they're like yelling and being all crazy and weird. I'm like, okay, it's a little a little bit like a modern version of a throwback. And they just show a sizzle reel then of five different games that are in development over at Sega. And they're like, hey, Sega's working on Five games at the same time. And I was like, okay, that's crazy. And these games were Crazy Taxi, Jet Grind Radio, Streets of Rage, Shinobi, and Golden Axe. And I'm like, what the fuck? And they're like, hey, we're bringing back a bunch of classic Sega games. Sega's been talking about how they want to get back to some of their old IP, retap that, try and make it accessible for a new generation. Um, they saw the success of the Sonic movies and they're wondering, hey, can we take those old IP, make them relevant again, and then do like TV shows or movies about them? Because, you know, this, this cross media thing where you can have successful video games and then successful, uh, you know, uh, TVs and movies uh, pertaining to those games. And, and so we know Sega's been wanting to get into that. And so that's what they showed is like, hey, we're going back to the well and bringing about the classics. Now, no one's really been able to confirm yet whether or not these are like ground up reimagined remakes of these games or if these are like new entries or like what these are. But what we know is we're getting a new Crazy Taxi, a new Jet Grind Radio, 
a new Golden Axe, a new Streets of uh, Rage, and a new Shinobi. And I got to say, as someone who loves old Sega, this got me so incredibly excited. First of all, this new Jet Grind Radio looks phenomenal. I mean, motherfucker, this is... This is like, what if Jet Grind Radio, but also Sunset Overdrive, but also Spider-Man, but also Tony Hawk. Like, this is a Sunset, this is a um, a Jet Grind Radio that is clearly inspired by the games that came after Jet Grind Radio and that were also inspired by Jet Grind Radio. And it is now, in turn, coming back and taking that those games into consideration. So, kind of like how, like, it's like Tomb Raider happened and then Uncharted happened and Uncharted was clearly inspired by Tomb Raider. And then Tomb Raider um, came back and was clearly inspired by Uncharted. And now new Tomb Raider is more like Uncharted than Uncharted is like Tomb Raider, you know, in a way. That's kind of what this reminds me of where it's like, it's like, wow, Jet Grind Radio is back. But it's kind of like all the things that were inspired by Jet Grind Radio. Because he's like, he's rollerblading, he's grinding, he's doing tricks. But he's also like jumping and kick flipping and spinning in the air and shit. I'm like, this looks like fucking Spider-Man kind of ridiculous mobility. And I, I want it. It looks so good. Um, art style looks so fucking good as well. And then it shows after a little, little couple seconds of, 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 uh, jet grind radio, it shows uh, streets of rage. And, you know, I'm not a huge streets of rage fan. I like side scrolling beat em ups. It looks a little more like 3d open environment. Kind of like, I don't know, like games like Marvel ultimate Alliance and things like that. And to me, I'm like looking at, I'm like, that looks like fun. I can get down with that. You know, that looks like a good time. And so that looks decent. Jet grind radio looks amazing. And then they show Shinobi, and I'm like, fucking god damn it, dude. Shinobi looks stunning. It has this beautiful two point, 2D, like, hand-drawn kind of, like, um, Okami-style art look to it. Like, it looks like a Japanese, like, hand-painted, like, kind of art style. It's so beautiful. It's such a, like, if you're not going to go back and do, like, a 16-bit art style, this is such a beautiful modern art style to, like, just pay tribute and homage to to this classic franchise. Like this is not that cheap, crappy CGI looking blocky 2.5 D crap. We get in most games these days. Um, this is, this is like beautiful artwork and Shinobi just looks so fucking good. And I want to play this game so bad. I, I want, I, I want this game. I cannot believe like, I like Shinobi. I like classic Shinobi. Those games are a little harder than I, than I can handle. Um, but I always appreciate them. It's kind of like my thing with Ninja Gaiden two, where it's like, I like these games, but I suck at them, but I like them anyway, and I'll play them anyway. But this dude, this Shinobi looks so fucking good. And then after that, it shows it shows Golden Axe, which is like, I don't know what this is, like a 3D brawler or like an action adventure hack and slash. I don't know what the hell they're going for, but it. Uh, I'm going to say something. Maybe this is controversial, and I say this as a Sega fan. Um, Golden Axe sucks. The original Golden Axe is like not a good game, uh, but this looks fun. This looks like a fun little run around beat him up romp and uh i'm 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 i would play that you know and it looks fun so and the last one they show is crazy taxi and crazy taxi perhaps looks spiritually the most different of them all something bad just looks a little more ridiculous it looks more like a racer in some ways than it does uh crazy taxi um but it does look fun and it does look good and i i want it so i'm looking at this and it's like boom 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 boom, boom. some of these look more interesting than others right but they all look good and the ones that look really good look fucking amazing. And I I love this trailer. It's it's like a throwback to classic Sega while being a touch of the new. And all these games sound exciting. And they, they said like, hey, and it's not just these five games. Like, 
we are actively developing new entries in all these series. Here's, I love that they backed up with gameplay. That was the best part, too. They could have so easily done the modern gaming bullshit where, like, the guy was like, yo, pass me the controller. And she's like, okay, bro, here you go. And then, like, it shows the TV screen, and he's, like, playing Shinobi on a fucking Genesis. And then, like, he's like, whoa. And he's, like, pulled into the TV. And then it shows, like, a CGI rendering of, like, a new Shinobi game. And then it shows, like, a CGI picture of a fucking new Jet Grind radio game. And then, like, it pulls him out. He's like, whoa. And then the trailer is like, the future is coming, Sega. You know, like, it, they could have done that. And it would have been, like, every fucking video game today. And it would be like, great, we're making a new fucking Shinobi game and a new Jet Grind radio. But there's no... There's no gameplay to back it up. It's just it's just empty promises, essentially. But no, they had gameplay for not one, not two, not three, not four. Five fucking brand new games. I'm like, that that's so fucking badass. And all all five games look good. <laughs> and I mean, I, I won't I won't lie. Some of the footage, um, I think it's uh for, during Crazy Taxi. Looks like there's a frame rate tr- chug, and I, you can tell this is definitely a work in progress. These games aren't fully there yet, but like the fact that they're going this hard and, and, and like, I want to know who's making these games, who's developing these, uh, like, how are they doing? I, I, I just want to know more about this project. What is this, you know? And is this tied into the super game? Is this tied into their project super game? Is super game like a platform, like a virtual platform that will be like Sega as a platform kind of like, oh yeah, we don't make hardware anymore, but we have this digital platform and it's called Sega. And it's like, we add all these games to it. And that's where you'll play Crazy Taxi and Jet Grind Radio and, and, and Streets of Rage and all that. It's like, is that, does this somehow play into that Project Super game? Like, I'm so curious about all this. And it's got me so excited. I'm just, I'm really, really hyped about this. I thought this was by far the coolest announcement made. And, and then they say like, that's not it. We got more coming. I'm like, okay, what are you going to do? Make a fucking new version of Alex Kidd? Can we, bro, can we get a new version of Comic Zone? I'll play it. I want it. I want Comic Zone. Give me, give me Vector Man. Give me Restar. Like I, uh, give me Flicky. I want Flicky, baby. Like I, I, I listen. I, I'm a Sega fan. I love Sega. I want all this shit. Bring it on, man. I want all those great Sega Genesis games reimagined for a new era. I love Sonic. You know, I'm a Sonic, uh, Sonic Superboy. But like I'll I, I'll take all this shit. I want all of it. I don't want a world where just Sonic is around. And, li- and listen, I love my Yakuza. Sega's been on the up and up. Yakuza's great. Newer Sonic is great. I mean, dude, if they nail some of these games, if they, if they can nail even just three of these five games, like Sega's kind of back in a big way. They've done a really good job of just all of a sudden becoming super big and relevant. And they got Persona. They got you know Atlas as a whole. They got the Yakuza games, the new Sonic games, the new Sonic movies. And now they're bringing back all these old IP. It's it's a good time to be Sega. <laughs> so I don't know. I loved this announcement. Super hyped for all that. But let's move let's move onward and uh, talk about what happened next. So next, they showed. Uh, I know this is one that got a lot of people excited, um, and it kind of leaked, and and then it was announced um, a little bit beforehand. But but yeah. But next, they announced or showed off the Dead by Daylight new single player game. So Behavior, the the team behind Dead by Daylight have partnered with Supermassive, the guys that make the, um, that made, um, Until Dawn, and, uh, what was that fucking one that came out last summer? It's like the Cabin in the Woods kind of summer camp. I know what you did last summer. Shit, what, why am I blanking on it? But, uh, uh, they also did the Dark Pictures Anthology, whatever. They make the, um, choice-based horror games, Supermassive, and, uh, they, they teamed up with Behavior to make a single-player Dead by Daylight game, which I think is, a really awesome match made in heaven. I think this is like such a great no brainer marriage 
Um, so yeah, it's a Dead by Daylight single player game made by Supermassive, and it's called The Casting of Frank Stone. And uh, I'll be completely honest, I have negative forty seven percent interest in this game. Like I just couldn't care less. But I, I like in in just in the for the sake of being inclusive and transparent and just fair. Um, yeah, I think this is a really good match of developers to IP, and I think this is a really great way to kind of inject some new life into Dead by Daylight, which seems like Dead by Daylight's kind of fallen off a little bit, right? After being so big for so long, it kind of feels like its biggest days are behind it, so this is a good way to maybe kind of keep the, the train going a little bit on Dead by Daylight, and uh, it seems like people were overall pretty high on this announcement, so I thought that was cool. I thought that was a really good clever use of uh, you know in terms of like two companies teaming up so next up square enix showed uh a new entry in the mana series visions of Ma- mana is it mana i think it's mana i know they did a remake of trials of mana these are like snes japanese role-playing games that are like kind of deep cuts and they've made remakes of these games in recent years like ports of these games but like they're making a brand new entry in this series that I don't think it's had an entry in like over 25 years. So this is kind of a big fan for like nerdy ass JRPG fans that they're making a new entry in the Mana series. They did not announce platforms, but I assume this will come to Xbox. Um, but just want to put that out there. This is kind of an impressive thing that's even happening. Not that I really personally care all that much, but I just, I guess it, it did seem significant to notice that note this just because, you know, Trials of Mana is such a kind of important old uh, Square Enix jrpg game so just thought i put that out there uh then they showed a trailer for the outlast trials which comes out march 5th for xbox um i don't care about this game at all um i like outlast but I, i'm over it at this point and i just uh this trailer sucked it was just a bunch of streamers screaming and go oh man i'm so scared and whenever you do those trailers where you have like the fake acting and the streamers involved and the influencers i immediately just check out no longer care about your product so sorry red barrel developer red barrel you guys do good do you do good work, but um, the Outlast uh, Trials, I just I don't care. All right, next up, we're sticking with horror. Uh, we get our number two of three big Xbox announcements. And I think this is a, a huge one for like that optical win. Um, it is the first time we get a look at Hideo Kojima's Xbox game that he's working on. Um, so we get a name. The game is called OD. And uh, it was basically, you know, Jeff Keighley does a thing where he's like, my best friend slash boyfriend Hideo Kojima has agreed to show his new game here. Hideo Kojima comes out and they show the trailer for OD. And it's these three people. It's like a a girl, then a guy, and then another girl. And they're like reciting these lines. The girl's like, the brown fox jumps over the woods and through the river to grandmother's house he goes. And then it shows the guy and the guy looks all like distraught and evil and messed up he's like the brown fox jumps over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house he goes and then it's like okay and then uh and then it shows the third girl and she just looks really scared and she's breathing heavy and then she lets out like a horrifying scream that's like actually like really well acted uh, if i'm being honest it's like actually terrifying the expression she makes on her face and the way she screams um and then the trailer ends because hideo kojima and being artsy fartsy so um that happens And then uh, Hideo Kojima comes out and he's all like, yo, 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 I'm making this game with Xbox. It's called OD. Uh, We're using that Azure cloud streaming technology, uh, which they've talked about in the past with this project. But now we have some kind of tone set to it. We have some kind of, we have a name for it. So this is the most in-depth look we've ever got at what this project is. Now, Hideo Kojima basically is saying, okay, so it's like this, it's, um, 
it's this new immersive video game, but it's also a movie, uh, but it's a new form of media altogether. It's just not like a regular game. Then it's like, okay, very Hideo Kojima. It's kind of like what he did with, with Death Stranding, where he's like, I'm not going to make a normal game. I'm going to make something entirely new. I respect that. Hey, as a fan of Quantum Break, I'm all for games that are also movies. So, like, whatever. Um, and then something really un, uh, unforeseen happens. Director Jordan Peele from, like, Us and Get Out uh, it takes a stage or comes out on stage and joins Hideo Kojima. And he's like, uh, yeah, I'm actually working with Hideo Kojima on this game. And it's like, oh, okay, fuck. And Hideo Kojima's like, I make video games, but like movies. He makes movies, but likes video games. I think this is a good relationship. (laughs) And it's like fucking watching, like, as someone who hasn't seen Jordan Peele's movies, I know, I know, I know. They're apparently really, really good. I'm sorry, I haven't seen them. But as someone who hasn't watched Jordan Peele's movies, but I've seen plenty of his his comedic bits and stuff with, like, Keaton Peele, um, it's just kind of funny because, like, my understanding of this man is not his amazing director, like, you know, filmmaking. It's, like, his, his, his comedic shit. And so I'm just like, it's so weird seeing the guy I know from these Keaton Peele skits standing up next to Hideo Kojima, this like legendary auteur of the video games industry. And they're like, yeah, we're making a horror game slash movie slash transmedia slash cloud streaming thing. Like what the fuck is happening? Um, But the quote that um, Kojima provided, like trying to describe the game, he says, quote, I really like challenging new things. Uh, this one, with the help of Xbox Game Studios and using their cloud gaming technology, I'm doing this with together. Um, it is a game, don't get me wrong, but at the same time, it's a movie. And at the same time, it's a new form of media. So, it honestly, uh, looking at the head-on footage of these people talking and whispering and all that stuff, uh, looks kind of like all that Hellblade shit again. So I'm like, is Hideo Kojima working with Ninja Theory on this game? Uh, but all joking aside... Um, I'm, I'm down for it because even though whatever it was we saw didn't really tell me anything about a video game or get me excited in that way, um, this works because it's clearly one of those things where Hideo Kojima doesn't have to play by the conventions, you know? They can show a trailer for Komori, um, you know, and we can see and we can see that, oh, it's a yokai hunting game from the girl that was working at Tango on Ghostwire Tokyo, and we're like, yeah, but there's no gameplay, so I don't give a shit about this until we see the gameplay. Um, this, in the case of like OD, this is different because Hideo Kojima is one of those rare, rare names where he commands so much respect and so much admiration in the industry that you don't need to see his next game. You just need to know what he's working on. You just need to have him take stage. You just need to have him say some things. And then you instantly have the attention and the captivation of the entire audience. And that's kind of what we did here. Where it's like, we didn't see a game running in action. I don't know what the fuck this game is. I don't know what you do in OD. I don't know what the movie part looks like. I don't know what the game part looks like. We just got some tone in a title. Um, and then he told us it's a movie and a video game. But the reason why this is so exciting is because for Xbox to be able to be like, yeah, that's right. We got Hideo Kojima and Jordan Peele working together on an exclusive Xbox game that uses our cloud technology. It's like, okay, that's a flex, you know? Whatever this game is, it's not going to be a huge seller. That's just clearly the, the the how it goes. Death Stranding was the same thing for PlayStation. It's not going to be a giant system seller. Um, that's not the point of it. The point is, you got Hideo Kojima, which is 
massive brownie points for the games industry. It makes the critics like you. It makes it makes a lot of people pay attention to you. It makes a lot of artsy-fartsy people suddenly give a shit about your brand. And this is a great optical win for Xbox because Xbox desperately needs the attention and the special touch of the auteur, of the arts, artistic creator and all that stuff. And for them to get a game like this exclusive to their platform is just a really good way for them to kind of be able to compete and stay in that space and be able to have a, a seat at the table, so to speak, when everyone goes on and on, you know, about, oh, Sony's got The Last of Us and Death Stranding and Ghost of Tsushima. And it's like, yeah, well, Xbox has got OD and 47 trailers for Hellblade 2 and, you know, whatever. So this is, it's it's a big optical win for them. You got Hideo Kojima. That's already kind of crazy because he's never worked with Xbox. And, uh, yeah, I mean, people are hyped about this game. I'm hyped about this game, and I don't even know what the fuck it is, and I don't even know that I'll necessarily give a shit about it. But I'm going to play it, and I'm, and I'm excited now because that's that's what this this did. You put Jordan Peele and Hideo Kojima together, and now all of a sudden you piqued my interest, for better or for worse. I, I want to I wanna know what the fuck OD is. All right, so that was that. And uh, if you thought that was exciting, well, the last the last one was really exciting. Um, but moving on, we'll get back to the third Xbox announcement and once we get to that part in the order. But next up, we got a trailer for Jurassic Park Survival. This is... Uh, Developed by Saber Interactive, published by Universal, which is a little interesting because isn't Saber Russian and aren't we supposed to hate the Russians right now? So I thought that was a little interesting. Now, this uh, they didn't put a release date on this, but this is um, probably the coolest looking Jurassic Park game I've ever seen and the most fitting Jurassic Park game I've ever seen. And it's basically you play as this girl and you're on the Jurassic Park islands that I won't say the name of because the name is so stupid. And um, you are hiding from the dinosaurs and just trying to survive the night. And the trailer does a really good job of making it look kind of like the really tense tense and scary moments of a Jurassic Park film. And I just feel like this game really captures a lot of the essence of Jurassic Park, or at least based on the trailer it does. And uh, it kind of seems like... I don't know, it kind of seems like that Jurassic Park game where it's like, yeah, where, where has this been? Why have we not had this until now? Um, looks good. I'm excited for people who like Jurassic Park and survival stealth games. Um, this does absolutely nothing for me, but I, I do think it is the absolute most appropriate way to use this IP. And I think, yeah, if I were, if I were a fan, I'd be super hyped. Uh, next up, uh, we haven't really talked about the awards cause I don't really give a shit about that, but I guess it is worth mentioning. Hi-Fi Rush won an award for best audio design, uh, which is appropriate. And then uh, Forza won a couple of awards as well. Although I forget for what. One of them was for accessibility, I believe. Then they showed a trailer for Rocket Racing, which is a Rocket League meets Fortnite racing game that's now available in Fortnite. So they pushed that out too, along with Lego Fortnite. Uh, I don't care, but it does look cool. Then they showed a trailer for Black Myth Wukong, which is coming out on August 20th next year. It is a Souls-like game. This has already been announced, but they showed a trailer and gave a date. It is a Souls-like game from Chinese developer Game Science that looks like every other Souls game you've ever seen your whole life. For like five minutes, I literally thought this was Wolong Fallen Dynasty. I did not know it was a new game, and uh, yep. But apparently, it's based on a uh, apparently it's based on a 16th century Chinese novel, like a folklore story or something. So that's cool, but yeah, I don't I don't give a shit about Souls like games, so I can't feign any excitement whatsoever. Um, then they showed another trailer for Justice League Kill the or, uh, yeah Kill the Justice League um, Suicide Squad, and uh, coming out a little bit sooner than I thought. I didn't I don't. 
I thought they said it was going to come out like in the spring, but yeah, the game is now coming out on February 2nd, 2024. Maybe they already had that date announced. And I forgot, but uh, it's a little sooner than I thought it would be from after its delay. But yeah, nothing to say there. We've seen this game a million times. I'm ready for it. I know a lot of people are kind of split on this game. I think the game looks cool. I think it looks very fun. I plan on being there day one for this game. And uh, yeah, February 2nd, I'm, I'm excited that's coming sooner rather than later. So, yep. Then uh, this was really weird. They had a Starfield trailer, but it wasn't like advertising the game. It was like it was like showing bits and pieces of Starfield. And then it was like Bethesda wants to congratulate all the nominees of the Game Awards this year, which this was kind of clearly obviously a um, like a planned thing where it was like, hey, there's a lot of controversy and consternation about Starfield not being nominated for like any of the big awards this year. And was it snubbed, et cetera, et cetera. And so this seems like they basically like Xbox and Bethesda slapped together this trailer to be like, Hey, we're good sports. We're not, we're not sad that this didn't get nominated. We're not butthurt. There's no animosity. We're just, you know, we're just happy to be here, whatever. So it's just kind of weird. They had this kind of shoehorned ad for Starfield where it was like, congratulations to everyone. Wish we could be there. And then that was it. Um, so I just, whatever. Uh, next up, they we got two games from Don't Not Entertainment back to back. First one is Banishers of uh, Banishers: Ghost of New Eden, which we've seen a couple times now, but now it has a release date of February thirteenth. It's coming out very soon. Is this action RPG game that they're making, which is very unconventional for Don't Not, but I think this game looks pretty decent. Um, I don't think it's anything I would buy ASAP, but I am curious to see how it reviews, and maybe it's something I'll play down the road if uh, if it strikes my fancy at the time. But um, I do think this game looks good, and uh, it's cool to see Don't Not get to stretch their stretch their legs a little bit and try to get out of their comfort zone. Um, but that being said, the next game they showed was also from Don't Not, and this is a lot more in their wheelhouse. It is a new... It's not in the Life is Strange universe, but is like Life is Strange, where it's a similar type of adventure narrative game. It's called Lost Records, Bloom and Rage. It's a story-driven journey through time, according to the blog post. Uh, to the description on the trailer. And it sounds like it'll be loosely in the vein of Life is Strange series. Uh, yeah, but basically about like these girls that like do this thing and then they turn older and they're trying to connect pieces. And I don't know, it looks kind of interesting, but it looks very Life is Strange. And uh, I don't know if I'll play it. I feel like I've gotten enough of that Life is Strange out of my system, but maybe I'll go back and play. I don't know. Comes out late next year. So they got two games coming out in 2024, which is impressive. All right, then next they showed a trailer for The First Berserker. This is a 3D hack and slash game uh, published by Nexon and developed by Neo Neopol. Um, set in the Dungeon Fighter universe, which is a fighting game, a Korean fighting game. It's popular. No release date, but this game looks kind of decent. Looks like the gameplay looks fun anyway, but a little too, like, weeby looking for me for the most part. Um, we'll see Nexon. Nexon's popping up a lot. Like, the... The, the Korean games publisher, they're just, they're getting their hands all over. They're trying to spread out and get into the West and do some other things. So it's kind of cool to see them a lot, but we'll, we'll see them in a little bit after Berserker. Then they showed that Final Fantasy is having an Apex Legends crossover or Leg Apex Legends is having a Final Fantasy crossover. That was weird. Um, and then, and then after that, um, they showed a Skull and Bones trailer announcing that the game will officially be coming out. On February 16th, uh, fucking laugh out loud. I'll believe it when I see it. So Skull and Bones, hopefully that actually finally comes out so we can stop thinking about it. But um, yeah, well, actually, I don't think about Skull and Bones <laughs> so we can stop seeing it. But yeah, then we get to the third and final 
Xbox reveal, big Xbox announcement. Now, this was kind of being leaked and rumored a little bit before the event, but I wasn't paying too much attention to that stuff, so I actually did not have this spoiled for me at all, but apparently other people did. And it is that um, Arcane Leon, their French team, not the Austin, Texas team that made um, Redfall that came out earlier this year, but Arcane Leon, the guys that made um, Deathloop and Dishonored, um, announced that they are making a Blade game, Marvel Blade, like the like the Marvel character Blade, the vampire guy, hunting guy. Um, so Blade has a a video game in development from developer Arcane Leon, very very unseen, like I guess uh, like un, uh, kind of like big surprise, I guess. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like I don't know who could have saw this coming or who would have guessed this on their bingo card. Um, but this is cool. This is really cool. So the game is set in Paris. I think they said it's going to be third person, which is weird. That's not how arcane games usually are. Um, but their quote was at the show, this project is the perfect opportunity to push arcane's art style into an even more modern and bold territory. The essence of our work lives in the junction of impact ideas and innovative know-how. No Xbox branding anywhere, which, or sorry, the quote ends after know-how. So it's like, okay, that's cool. Um, it seems like they're getting out of their wheelhouse a little bit. Uh, which I respect, but it's like, I don't know. It's like, are they sacrificing what they are to do this project? And weirdly enough, there's no Xbox branding anywhere on the trailer. The trailer shows the guy, he goes to the shop, he goes to get a shave, and the guy pulls a sword, and then it's like, uh-oh, there's something outside. It's probably a vampire. And then the trailer ends, and it's like Marvel Blade, now in development at Arkeen Leon, and then it shows the Bethesda logo or the Zenimax logo, but nothing about Xbox, nothing about Xbox Game Studios. And so it's like, okay, is this... um. Is this not coming to? Is this not going to be an Xbox exclusive? Is this going to be on multiple platforms that they have not decided yet? You would think that Xbox would want to have their name all over this and be like, yeah, yeah, we got a Marvel game, we got a Marvel game, but they haven't, and that's weird. And they're still kind of dodgy on the uh, Machine Games Indiana Jones projects as well, and and now they got two of these, where Bethesda's got. Two of these Disney properties that they're working on, Machine Games is on Indiana Jones, and now Arcane Leon is on uh, is on Marvel Blade, which is kind of crazy. And I don't know. In one sense, it's kind of sad because Bethesda has a lot of these teams that make really unique games, like like Wolfenstein, like uh, Dishonored and Deathloop. Um, and it's like there's that sad like opportunity cost where it's like, oh, because now they make Marvel games, or now they make Lucas art games or Lucasfilm games. It's like now they can't do new original stuff. They got to do these licensed IP things for Disney. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know. Xbox kind of needs a Marvel game, you know, like PlayStation's got Wolverine. PlayStation's got Spider-Man. Um, Xbox getting Xbox getting blade. I'll be honest. It's not nearly as big a deal as, you know, not even close to like Spider-Man at all. But it is cool that Xbox is getting in on it and they're getting it something, right? Although I just can't help but feel like, you know, like while PlayStation's getting these exclusives, like the best IP, it feels like Microsoft's getting like these like second or third rate kind of IP. And that's it's no disrespect to Blade or I think Blade's a cool character. I think Indiana Jones is, I, I think Indiana Jones is great. Um, but it's just like, I don't know. <laughs> PlayStation clearly got the bigger IP with Spider-Man, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, they we know they got that new um, Blade movie in production at Marvel Studios, so who knows? It might it might happen just so that 
that movie comes out, it's huge. It's the next like Black Panther or Iron Man or what what's like what's like the huge Marvel movies aside from Avengers? Like like the one offs that I think they're the biggest. I mean like what? Spider Man, Black Panther, and Iron Man. Is it safe to say that those in the maybe Captain America? Like those are like the four biggest oh, Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Those are like the biggest Marvel movies, like independent of Avengers that happen. Like, I don't know, maybe Blade comes out and it's like the next Guardians of the Galaxy or or Black Panther or Iron Man in terms of its like popularity and insane just draw and appeal. Like, yeah, maybe that happens. Maybe that's the case. If so, that'll be great. That'll be great because I'll come out and then like a year or two later, this game will come out because I assume this game is nowhere in development. We're probably like four or five years away from getting it. Um, but I, I don't know. It's just this is a... I'm sure this will do well and it'll be nice to have Marvel on game pass. Like that will be a really big draw, but at the same time, it's like, I want to know, is this multi-platform? Is it exclusive? Um, what kind of game is it going to be? This is kind of weird. This is, um, this IP is unlike anything that they've worked on before. So like, I'm really curious to see what that looks and feels like, uh, lots and lots of questions on this one. And I'm just curious to learn more about it, but nonetheless, very exciting. Technically Xbox now has a Marvel game on the way. And, um, I think, I think people are just hyped because it's just cool to see Xbox get a big win like this. So we now know what Arcane Leon is doing. I wrote this little note here. I said, Arcane Austin dropped the ball with vampires when it came to uh, Redfall. Now it's Arcane Leon's turn to see what they can do with vampires. So, you know, fingers crossed, Blade, hopefully much better than Redfall. But um, yeah, that's it. So we got Hellblade 2, Hideo Kojima's OG, o- OD, I mean, not OG, OD. And Arcane Leon is making it a, a Blade game that Xbox is hesitant to put their name on. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that's huge deal. Lots of big wins there. And then next up, we saw a trailer for, uh, I guess this game's already been announced, but a new trailer for uh, Last Sentinel, which is being made by Lightspeed Studios, a team formed by ex-Rockstar GTA guys and owned and operated by Tencent. Um, but Last Sentinel is a really badass looking game, actually. It's like an open world cyberpunk dystopian Tokyo future game. And they didn't show any gameplay, so I can't speak to the actual game. But the, the trailer, the tone trailer, the CGI trailer is so badass. I just saw that movie, The Creator, a few months ago. And this reminded me so much of that. Like the little girl's like screaming, like, don't shoot her, don't shoot her. And then like they shoot the fucking mother and her, she's like a fucking AI robot. And she like falls to the ground and she's like screaming for her mom. And then like this badass Akira looking motherfucker comes in, like fucking kills all the bad guys and looks all badass and cool. And then she gets on her motorcycle and rides down to the Neo future Tokyo. And I'm like, damn, this game looks so fucking cool. But uh, yeah, no gameplay. So I don't know what the hell it actually is. I don't know what to be excited for, but I will definitely be keep my eyes on this one. Hate that it's a hate that it's a Tencent owned studio, but also if the game is super cool and I can't resist. I will have to uh, I'll have to put my preferences aside. Uh, next up, we saw the first Descendant, another Nexon game, Nexon published game, comes out next summer. It is a free to play looter shooter. Looks pretty good. They showed uh, they had Block Party playing the song Pioneers by Block Party in the trailer. I love that song. I love that band. So you got brownie points there. Um, I, I swear we've seen this game before already. It looked good then at, I think it was like summer game fest last year or something. Um, still looks pretty good. I wish we could see a little bit more of like the gameplay and stuff, but, um, I don't know. It looks, it looks interesting. I I'm, I'm curious to try it. I wonder, you know, for free to play shooter, might as well give it a go, but I don't know. It doesn't look like something that's going to light the world on fire, but looks like it has potential to be, 
a game you you know spend a dozen hours with or so and move on. So I'm interested. Next up, they showed Mecha Break, which is a mech multiplayer game um, by developer Amazing Season Games, which is a new developer that's they have like one strategy game on Steam and that's all they've ever worked on. Um, but this game looks fucking awesome. It it looks it looks cooler than Armored Core and Mech Warrior and all that stuff. Like I'm I'm looking at the trailer right now. Like this this shit looks really fucking action packed and badass and it's multiplayer too. So I would actually like to continue to keep an eye on this game because this might be something I want to play. Uh, but that was Mecha Break. Then they showed another trailer for War- Warhammer 40K Space Marine 2. This game continues to look so fucking badass. And now it has a release date of September 9, 2024, which is a little further off than I'd like. I feel like it'd be perfect if they could get this game out in like May or June, but eh, beggars can't be choosers. This game looks great, and I definitely want to play it. It looks like it's going to get you that Gears of War fix. Then they showed Exo Born. It is a level infinite, which is Tencent. Uh, game as a tactical open world extraction shooter made by X division devs like Ubisoft's the division. Uh, they didn't show gameplay. Uh, I also thought the CG trailer was very not interesting looking and I couldn't care less about this one. So I'm going to move on because I just don't care about extraction shooters. I didn't like anything I saw in this trailer and I just don't care. Plus fuck Tencent. Uh, the next they said, Hey, we got a new trailer for their fallout TV show. I was like, Oh man, they got more footage than the footage we saw the other day at that other trailer. And nope, it's a new trailer with basically all the same footage as the last trailer, but just cut and edited differently. And that's fine. I'm not complaining, but it just seemed like a waste of time, I guess. Then next, uh, Hello Games came up on stage. Now, Hello Games, the guys that made No Man's Sky, um, are like, hey, we got a new game. We're working on a new game. We know we burned the whole world with No Man's Sky. We promised the, the, the world and back. And then what we gave you wasn't it. But over time, we made No Man's Sky a great game that people came around and loved. And now we want to make a new game. And they announced their new game. They said they've been working on for five years. Still a small team of just 12 people. So he's like, give you know, be patient. Give us time. We're a small team. But our new game is called Light No Fire. And it's an open world game. And, and he kept making the distinction. He said, this is the, quote, first real open world game. Something without boundaries. And we're, and we're uh, going to let everyone play in it together. So what he meant by that. He talks about like the mountains being large and to scale and that it's like instead of it being like No Man's Sky where you can travel from procedurally generated planet to planet, it's like no, no, it's one handcrafted world and it's a whole world and you can explore all of it. You don't have to load, you don't have to time travel or warp or, or fucking uh, fast travel or do any of these things. It's like you literally just travel from one end of the world to the another, to another. It's just a massive, expansive, giant world to explore. And it looks very like, I don't know, it looks very like Elder Scrolls like a little bit like a lighter more fantastical version of Elder Scrolls and I'm really curious to see what it is because I don't you know they they haven't really done narrative in their games to my understanding but this looks like a game that would have some kind of questing so I'm curious to see what it is that you know last time they made a game like with No Man's Sky they burned everyone so they they have a lot to prove you know for us to trust their next game but I am cautiously optimistic about this game not because I necessarily am like oh it looks cool I want to play it but because it's like they're just such an interesting developer and their trajectory has been so interesting that I'm just really curious to see how this next project pans out for them and what lessons they've learned following the catastrophe of, of No Man's Sky's launch and miscommunication and mis, uh, mismarketing, honestly. But they showed that. That was pretty cool. Uh, then they showed a trailer for The Finals, which is uh, that game that had an open beta on Xbox last month is that 
a free to play um, shooter game. I guess it's like, is it like Battle Royale or is it like, I think it's more like a, like a hero shooter type game. I don't know. Uh, not really hero shooter. I, I don't remember. Maybe it is, maybe it's more Battle Royale. I completely forget, but it's made by that team Embark Studios, which is a bunch of former Battlefield developers. And it's published by Nexon. Again, go Korea, like the big Korean publisher, getting really invested in all these games, putting games out in the West, kind of making more of a name for themselves in the industry. Uh, but the game is, it was shadow dropped. They're like, Hey, the game is out now go download it. And, uh, sure enough. Yeah. It's on my Xbox when I boot it up and I really want to give this game a go. I heard good things about the beta last month and I'm, I'm curious to try it for myself. So I'm going to go ahead and download it maybe play this game a little bit over the weekend. And, uh, I think this game looks pretty good. So I'm, I'm interested. It's got destructive walls, cool weapons. Um, I think it looks fun. It looks like a lot of fun. looks like some of the best stuff from battlefield brought over into a new lighthearted, fun, free to play multiplayer game. And I'm here for it. Uh, then the last two announcements, um, Baldur's Gate 3 on Xbox now. They did shout out. I, I thought they were just showing a trailer for the game. I didn't even notice that it was saying it's out now. But after the fact, realized, oh, man, they're like putting out the game. So Baldur's Gate 3 on Xbox officially available. So if you've been waiting for this game to come to Xbox, while the PlayStation fans have been soaking it up all with themselves for the past few months, Worry not, you can play Baldur's Gate 3 on Xbox starting now. Um, so that's that's great. We don't have to talk about that one anymore. Of course, Baldur's Gate cleaned up at the award show. They won Game of the Year. They, they won out on Zelda, which I thought was funny because they had like uh, Al Numa and all these famous Nintendo people there to like accept all these awards for Nintendo or for Zelda, and then Zelda didn't win Game of the Year. I was like, wow. Um, but yeah, it was kind of a no-brainer that Baldur's Gate was going to win, and lo and behold, it did. Finally, the last game they showed at the Game Awards was Monster Hunter Wilds, which is the new Monster Hunter game, kind of like the sequel to Monster Hunter World, and it's coming out in 2025. No specific date as of yet, just a, a loose 2025, um, and, you know, it's just a CG trailer, or no, they showed some gameplay, I think, but uh, it, it just looked like more Monster Hunter with a little bit more of a new traversal mechanic, but otherwise, just more Monster Hunter, which is it's fine. Um, but yeah, that was their final big note to go out on, which I think was good. Capcom's been talking about how, you know, they got a new big game coming and they just made another Resident Evil. So it was kind of obvious that it was going to be a new Monster Hunter, but now we have word. We've seen it. We know what it is. It's called Monster Hunter Wild. And that was it. That was, uh, that was it for the Game Awards. Thankfully, no one jumped up on stage and said anything about Rabbi Bill Clinton or threatened to kill Jeff Keighley or anything like that. It seemed like it went off without a hitch in that regard. Um, and it seemed like it was a pretty good show overall. I mean, there were some funny moments where... They brought back the voice actor that does Kratos in God of War, and he made weird remarks about like how he would never work for Call of Duty and that the speech he gave last year was longer than the campaign for Modern Warfare 3, which is weird. And then like they just kept playing like walk-off music for everyone during their acceptance speeches after like eight seconds, which the internet's been memeing the hell and back. And just some weird moments like that. Um, the guy that plays Shang-Chi in the Marvel movies came out in a freaking cast on and uh, just stuff like that. Um, the yeah, I, I don't know. The cast of the Fallout TV show came out to award The Last of Us with an award for their TV show, and just stuff's happening. It was a weird show. My overall take is that the show had some really strong announcements. I mean, the, the whole point of the Game Awards, like, who gives a shit about the awards? The exciting part is the game announcements. But I'd say between Exodus, uh, like, for me at least, between Exodus, the five games Sega announced... Um, uh, the Hideo Kojima uh, OD revealing with Jordan Peele. Um, 
Uh, the announcement of, of Marvel Blade. I keep It sounds like I'm saying Marvel Blade, like Blade, Blade the Marvel character. And then Last Sentinel, like between like those eight, like seven or eight things, whatever. I, I was really happy. I thought there's some really awesome games shown. And uh, I, I'm, I'm overall pretty, pretty satisfied with this showing. I did think the earlier part of the award uh, events, you know, the Game Awards was a lot better than the latter half. It seemed like they had some big unforeseen world premieres, then some big announcements and a lot of smaller games sprinkled in. It was like pretty high energy. But by the latter half, I was just like, I cannot believe the Game Awards is still a three-hour event. I know they're trying to trim it down, but they they got to fight. They got to find a way to trim this stuff down. You know, they do the live performances. They have like an Alan Wake 2 live performance with the old gods of Asgard, which was cool. It was fun. And, you know, at the end, they do like the Game Award nominees with like the orchestra. And all that's like badass and everything. But like, I don't know. They got to find a way to shave this thing down to like two hours. Even if it's just two and a half hours, it's better than nothing. But this this event really needs to be a two-hour affair. It's just right now, it's just way too fucking long at... um. At, at, at three hours and it's like I'm just I'm falling asleep by the last hour of the game awards every fucking year man it's just it's way too long but that being said I thought this was one of the better years in terms of just like a really strong quantity and quality of announcements um the game the, you know the games industry is one worth celebrating this year because it's just so many fucking notable games um continued fuck you to the games industry for trying to like ban Hogwarts Legacy and pretend it didn't exist by being like these fucking cucky ass Kotaku shitbirds who just refuse to acknowledge that game because they have some weird fake bullshit like non-real controversy to axe to grind over JK Rowling and their like made up perception of 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 transphobia um so I just I'm still pissed about that just because I think Avalanche Avalanche uh, Studios just deserves so much praise and respect for what they did with that game. And that game is clearly a game of the people that was so resonant with gamers everywhere. It sold so many millions of copies. And just to completely ignore and just shadow ban its existence because a bunch of fucking cucky ass San Francisco dudes uh, that can't get a fucking girlfriend decided like it's, it's it's transphobic because they have little wooden wands and elves it's like shut the fuck up bro i don't even like harry potter and i'm willing to fucking go for bat go to bat for this game like just just calm the fuck down and accept the fact that millions of people were entertained and delighted by this game and probably deserve to be at this game awards um uh, which is just kind of frustrating like more so than Starfield it bothers me because with Starfield it's like I can acknowledge that the game was divisive a lot of people just straight up didn't like it or were disappointed by it and that is what it is despite the fact that I love Starfield but with Hogwarts Legacy it's like that's just a game the overwhelming majority of people really loved and so you're just being dishonest you're just being dishonest and intentionally misrepresenting the games that were celebrated and loved and and enjoyed this year by acting like that game just never happened when in fact it did happen and it made more money than any of you fucking Kotaku journalists could ever fathom having in your life because you guys could never create half the amount, like a fraction of the amount of joy and value that that game presented to the world uh, with your shitty clickbait and bullcrap articles. Mm, the, the latest update for Halo is so problematic because the character's pants are not rainbow colored enough and I'm just so tired with these problematic emblems on guns. I cannot, can we talk about, can we talk about the free Palestine situation going on right now in Fortnite? I am so very upset about, shut the, shut up, dude. That shit, it, it pisses me off so much, dude. Like these fucking out of touch, 
games media people who are just constantly bitching and moaning about nothing. And like 99.999% of us are just like, man, I had a long day at work actually contributing to my society. I can't wait to go home and try and play Halo Infinite for an hour and a half before I before I pass out and have to do it all over again tomorrow. And and you can't just fucking like reliably go to YouTube or listen to a podcast or or go to a games website without them being like, mm, the, pro- the problem with... Well, they wouldn't say Mario. I was about to say Mario Wonder, but they wouldn't say Mario because you wouldn't criticize Nintendo because they're a Japanese company. So you would have to, you'd have to blame the white man. So it'd be like, mm, the problem with Gears of War is that Gears are a Eurocentric creation in that... In the, in, in the <laughs> Mesopotamian cultures did not have gears or levers, although I, I think that shit technically comes from Egypt. I don't fucking know. I'm stupid, dude. I'm an I'm a English major. And I don't even speak English well. Anyway, I don't even know what I'm fucking talking about. I just get so worked up over that that Hogwarts Legacy thing because I'm like, that's just such a that's just such an egregious example of lying, just lying. Like the Game Awards is. It's a time to come together and celebrate the biggest games of the year. And you left out one of the top three biggest games of the year. How, how, you, how are you going to fucking do that, man? I don't know. Whatever. Who cares? Um, Exodus looks awesome. And that's all that matters. And I'm very excited about the future of these Sega video games. So it's good. Whatever. Uh, Game Awards overall pretty good as usual. Jeff Keighley puts on a good show. It could be shorter, definitely could be shorter, definitely needs to be just trimmed a little bit more along the sides, along the fat, and, um, you know, whatever. Still still better show than than any of the other game shows we really get, and it's a, it's a, it's a fun way to celebrate the industry. So, nice. Well, we'll come back to it next year. I think next year they said it'll take place on December 12th, they already announced, which is like a week later than this year's or and last year's, so I guess it's going to happen a little later next year, which I don't think it fucking matters, but... I'll put that out there, I guess. Maybe because so many games are coming out in early December now, they want to give a little more buffer time in case some uh, some big game comes out. But yeah, that's it for the Game Awards. Let's take a quick break again, and then we will come back and do the rest of the news because <laughs> we still have a lot of Phil Spencer stuff, this Windows Central article to go through. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a jam-packed week. What do you want? What do you want, man? I don't make the news. I report on it. I just I do I do the thing. I tell you, I tell you Bowler's Gate 3 is the best game ever and that Hogwarts Legacy never happened. What do you want? All right, we'll come back in a second. Okay, so let's jump into the other news stories. And this is basically going to consist uh, predominantly of this ongoing story about Tim Stewart, CFO of Microsoft, talking about bringing things like Game Pass to other places like PlayStation, and then also talking about and then also talking about um, this this ongoing, not ongoing, but this big Phil Spencer interview that he did with Windows Central and all the different nuggets of information we gathered out of that. So we're going to kind of try to break this down into parts, starting with this this first little news story, um, talking about like Phil Spencer speaking to Bloomberg about uh, launching an, like a Microsoft or Xbox app store. And then we'll move into the other stuff from there. So let's start with this as kind of like, a, like an appetizer um, from VGC. Xbox is in discussion with partners about launching a new mobile game store, um, Phil Spencer confirmed. Quote, it's an important part of our strategy and something we're actively working on today, not only alone, but we're talking with our partners to see who'd like to see more choice as far as they can monetize on phones, Spencer said to Bloomberg last week. When asked whether Microsoft might launch a mobile marketplace, he said, I don't think it's it's multiple years away. I think it's sooner than that. Well, that would mean like no more than like, you know, maybe 12 to 18 months away. 
while the Activision deal was often framed as Microsoft seeking to acquire Call of Duty, Xbox's boss consistently claimed that the transaction was primarily based on mobile game ambitions. Last November, Spencer went as far as to say that the Xbox business would become untenable if it remained irrelevant on mobile. Following the completion of the games industry-based deal ever with the acquisition of uh, Activision, uh, Microsoft became the owner of Candy Crush Maker King, including titles like Call of Duty Mobile and Diablo Immortal as well. Quote, there's just no way to really plot out the future without being on the platforms where most players on the planet are, Spencer said last month. The games are different, the business models are different, and the whole dynamic of how you distribute and how you how you find games is different. So when you look at it, I need to find a team that's had the, an amazing success to learn from. So literally, we just, you know, Amy Hood, who's the CFO of Microsoft, and I uh, went through our list and decided the most accomplished publishers in the mobile space. Most people wouldn't have expected, I think I didn't, that Activision would have been so high or been as high with uh, with that King work as well as Call of Duty Mobile and Warzone and stuff they've been doing as well as, you know, Diablo Immortal. So basically what he's saying is like, hey, remember all that stuff we were talking about with mobile and launching our own, our own mobile store or storefront on mobile devices? We're still really interested in doing it. It's not something that's going to come tomorrow, but it's not something that's years away. You know, you wouldn't expect to see it in more than like a year or two away, maybe, um, maybe a year and a half away. And he's saying, you know, like when talking about acquiring, acquiring a mobile developer, a mobile partner that he's like, they were kind of blown away when they, when they realized just how big of a success mobile had been for Activision and, and that just made that deal so much more lucrative. Now I still think a lot of why Microsoft ended up buying Activision just happened to be like, Hey, they're down and out. We're looking to make a big acquisition. We could probably get Activision for so much less than they're worth if we jump right now. And that has probably so much more to do with why Activision was acquired by um, Microsoft when they were. But that being said, again, I, I don't mean to dismiss, diminish this. Oh I'm so, I can't, I, too much talking. Um, diminish the uh, the importance of Microsoft's desire to get King, to get mobile initiatives rolling, to get a big player in the mobile space under their belt. Um, but I guess the the big nugget of news here, because we know Phil Spencer has been wanting to do this for a while, and they've been Xbox has been talking about and flirting with this idea of a mobile app store, a mobile storefront in some form for Xbox. Um, that this is something they're looking to do relatively soon. I mean, he's saying it's not its not something that... W- let me find the quote. He says, uh, I don't think it's multiple years away. I think it's sooner than that. Multiple years, it, to me, means two. So... So I'm having a mobile store on, mo- on phones available in a year? A year and a half? And it's the thing is, it's like... I don't doubt that they could get this on Android at all. In fact, uh, Google allows this to happen. You can download third-party stores. And if you buy a Samsung phone, it comes with a Samsung app store. I try to use it to the best of my ability, but it's so limited compared to the Google Play Store. iPhone's going to be the big hurdle to overcome. And I think they're getting there. It's, it's great timing because especially in the EU, they're doing great work forcing Apple to finally stop being such little fucking cucks about like proprietary this and lock down that, especially with like, you know, like them making uh messaging with Androids so inferior intentionally so that people hate Androids um, stuff like that. You know, the USB C becoming the new default for iPhones going forward, thanks to the EU. And so I feel like the time has never been better 
to kind of be like, hey, we want to open up the Apple ecosystem a little more. And, you know, you have a you have a government entity, a governing body that will go out and kind of fight that fight for you. And so I think it can be done. I think if ever there were a time in this dominant Android iPhone only space we've been stuck in, I'll say stuck in because it sucks having only two choices um, for so long at this point. If ever there was a good time to do it now is that time. But I still I still don't really know what it I don't know if maybe the problem is I don't know what it looks like if as much as the problem is that I don't know as much as I personally want this and I I support it and I and I look forward to it I don't know that I believe that a market will ever support another app ecosystem if there's one thing that I've learned about people it's that it, people don't want choice they want one product to win them over so hard that they never have to think about choice. That's what people want. It's the reason why Toyotas are incredibly overpriced. Good cars, but incredibly overpriced, and you can get comparable comparable cars for way less. But it doesn't fucking matter because people are so bought into Toyota and how there are Android phones out there that can do so many things better than iPhone, but it doesn't fucking matter because iPhone did it the best first. And people are so comfortable there and they don't want to leave. And it's why, you know, Chrome is not the best web browser, but everyone loves Chrome because it was the best at what it did first and people stayed there. And how Google is not the best search engine, but people like it because it's the big one that they're comfortable with and they don't want to leave it. And that's the problem. It's like you can put an, an app store, you can put, you can build a place where you can make discoverability of your, of games better and you can make it more gaming focused and you can make it a better experience for people with game pass, game pass subscriptions. But just because you make it convenient because it's accessible through a device, the consumer already has in this case, a phone doesn't necessarily mean it's going to catch on. I feel like this is a lesson in all ways. The corporation of Microsoft can never, will never has never learned, which is like, yeah, you can you can make a great product, you can make a great service, you can put it in the right place. It's not going to work. <laughs> it's just not going to work. Uh, the person on iPhone doesn't give a shit about the ability to download a, an Xbox app ecosystem, like an Xbox storefront on their phone, because they got the app, Apple App Store, and everything else is stupid. They don't care. And you know, for as much as like Android fans love to be like, oh yeah, I'm savvy. I got gigabytes. I love I love customizing my Android. It's like those motherfuckers don't. They didn't even know that you could do. Look at half the people you see with an Android phone. They don't even know that you can do motion gestures on it. They still got the fucking the back arrow, the little block, and the hamburger menu on the bottom of their Samsung because they can't even. They don't even know how to customize it. You know these motherfuckers. They they just use the Play Store. So I guess long-winded, stupid, traditional Xbox on way of saying, I just don't trust that this would take off. Or maybe I'm thinking about it the wrong way, where I'm just thinking it's literally like an app store you download onto your phone. Now you'd have an additional app store, but is that is that not what we're talking about? A mobile marketplace, an app store, essentially? And if it's not that, what is it? A gaming hub? Because that doesn't work either. I don't know. I mean, just look at freaking the um, Epic Game Store on, on PC. It's not better than Steam, but it, it's better than Steam in some ways. And it offers a lot, especially for developers. And it's still hemorrhaging money and doing nothing to damage the the dominance that steam experiences on in the pc gaming space like it's just one of those things where it's like the market doesn't want choice they just want to be they just want to be wowed one time and then never let down again that's it that's all you gotta do iphone was a really compelling product 
the first time. It didn't it didn't become compelling. It was it just was compelling. It only got better over time, and they never dropped the ball so bad that it burned people and made people want to leave. That's all there is to it. You're good. You're good for life. The only reason people walked away from Xbox was because even though 360 was so good, they burned people with Xbox One. Otherwise, they probably would have retained a large portion of their uh, their audience forever. It's just I don't know. I just I I feel like consumers are so finicky, and people don't people don't want to find better. They just want to continue to be comfortable with what they have. And I feel like this idea, as much as I love it, as much as it gets me one step closer to turning my Android into a, a Windows phone in my mind, it's not what the people want, and it's not what historically. It's not a concept that has historically panned out well and been adapted. And I just don't think this is going to do for Xbox what they hope it will do. But it is something I, I personally want and I, and I welcome and I look forward to experiencing for the two and a half years it will be around before they axe this idea and throw it away with everything else Microsoft does. But I welcome it. Let's see. I hope I'm wrong. I'm very curious to see how that works, especially on iPhone. All right, let's move on. Um, talk about this story that's kind of old news at this point, but we got to talk about the Tim Stewart part of it, and then we'll move into the beginning part of this Windows Central interview with Phil Spencer where they kind of follow up on the story. So this is the initial part. We'll read from VGC. Xbox's chief financial officer said that the company eventually wants to bring Game Pass to PlayStation and Nintendo consoles. Tim Stewart told attendees at a Wells Fargo TMT summit that the company's ultimate goal is to bring all of its content and services to every screen that can play games. The mission is designed to reap the highest profits from Microsoft's gaming division than it's traditionally been uh, than it's traditionally been the case with its relatively low margin console, console business. The executive said, and it was one of the most uh, it was one of the motivating factors behind the company's sixty nine billion dollar acquisition of Activision. He says, "quote For us, when we think about the business." Gaming as it relates to Microsoft and Activision, operating leveraging and margin expansion is definitely a piece of the puzzle. At the highest levels, you go from what was a low margin third party entity that we uh, that we sold on our store to a high margin first party business. So when you think about the Xbox component of Call of Duty, you go from that low margin business to a high margin business, high margin <laughs> to a high margin business, then. What you do is you also expand and say, we're now driving a high high margin sales on PlayStation on Nintendo. Prior to its purchase of Activision Blizzard, Microsoft agreed a 10-year deal to bring Call of Duty to Nintendo and keep it on PlayStation should the acquisition be approved by regulators. Tim Stewart continues on. He says, quote, and it's really, and that's really lastly where we're going with this business is the expansion of operating leveraging uh, where we think about placing our bets. First party, subscriptions, advertising, those are all high margin businesses that we want to expand into. And when you hear from us more and more is a bit of a change of strategy. And again, not announcing anything broadly here, but our mission is to bring our first party experiences, our subscription services to every screen where we can play games. Okay, that is, highlight that. That means smart TVs, that means mobile devices, that means we would have, uh, we, we would have thought of, uh, competitors like PlayStation and Nintendo. Let me reread that. That means smart TVs. That means mobile devices. That means what we would have thought of as competitors like PlayStation and Nintendo. We're going to NVIDIA GeForce now, the gaming subscription service. But we think, but when we think about the business to these endpoints, again, it's a high margin business to newer gamers. 
that really Activision allows us to do uh, to do much in. I don't want to say easier in a way, but much more. I'll say fast way to get there versus trying to build your own. Basically, what he's saying is Activision allows you the opportunity to like fast track a, a world where you can get your products and your services onto any service, any any platform you want, any screen you want, Samsung TVs, PlayStations, Nintendo's, GeForce, whatever, whatever you want. And that's where we ultimately want to be is anywhere where you can experience these games, any screen you can be on. We want to be there. And the thing is, this does kind of, this does kind of directly address the thing that Phil Spencer's kind of been coy with and hinted at in the past where Phil Spencer has talked about like, we're not making games, you know, like Starfield being exclusive to Xbox. We're not taking games away from PlayStation. We want the game to be accessible to more players. We want the game to be available anywhere where Game Pass is and kind of alludes to this idea of like, hey, if Game Pass is on PlayStation, Starfield's not unavailable on PlayStation. We just want the game to be available on Game Pass platforms. And he said things like that, which have kind of like suggested the notion that maybe Xbox is thinking one day about getting Game Pass on PlayStation, getting Game Pass on Nintendo, even if it's a different version or a more limited version, just some kind of way of getting these services on their competitors' platforms. But Phil Spencer denies that this is what the plan is, while Tim Stewart here basically just flat out admits, yeah, the end goal, you know, maybe not today or tomorrow, but the end goal is to be able to get Game Pass anywhere and everywhere. Apple TV, who gives a shit? We'll put Game Pass wherever we can get it. And this is the CFO. This is a pretty fucking high-ranking guy. This guy just wouldn't say just anything. Like, he he knows the game plan. If there's someone in the company who knows the long-term strategy, who knows long-term game plan... It's probably your, it's probably your chief financial officer. It's probably the guy who's, you know, the money guy, like the head money guy at the company. I, I would assume that that guy is in on it. So put a pin in that for a second, and let's move on to this Windows Central interview that Jez Corden uh, conducted. And of course, I encourage you to go to Windows Central and read it for yourself. Um, but I really want to touch on this first part here, where, you know, we can get to some of the other parts later. Um, but this first part's really important, where. Jez Corden asks Phil Spencer, basically like to respond to this in a way. He says, I asked Phil Spencer about the uh, Tim Stewart's recent comments regarding Game Pass. Um, and uh, this is what Spencer said to, to Windows Central. He says, I'll start by saying we have no plans to bring Game Pass to PlayStation or Nintendo. It's not in our plans. But I think you hit, uh, but I think you hit on the right point with what it means to own an Xbox. The thing I want to be focused on is how do we continue to innovate for people who've made the commitment to our hardware platform? And this is something Phil's a side note. Phil's, Phil's been talking about this a lot very recently, like in the past six months or so, where he keeps like doubling down and committing to the hardware, the console sales, which seems like kind of a retaliatory or, or a new, a sudden and new way of speaking. It's it's the way I want to hear him talk about Xbox, but <clears throat> it's a way he hadn't been talking about Xbox the past couple of years until pretty recently. He says. Uh, anyway, focus on how we continue to innovate for people who are committed to our hardware and how do we continue to make sure that they feel great about the investments that, that we've built. I'm obviously going to have my own point of view for our hardware, but I think our hardware teams did a great job with the Series S and X this generation. Given value and performance on the hardware line, when I think about the investments in things like Game Pass and cloud gaming, cross-play and cross-save, and ID at Xbox, all these things, I want us to continue to innovate so people on our console feel like we're making the investments in consoles uh, or like we're making investments in consoles and that match the commitment to making um, that they're making to us. 
Game Pass was one of those things that, you know, over the last five years we built and we continue to grow. It's on PC, it's on cloud. It's an important part of the Xbox console identity. And I think that it will continue to be that. And we will continue to look at future ways for us to innovate across our game portfolio and our platform. So he doesn't outright deny it, though. That's the thing. So I, I'm, I'm sorry. Let me let me reiterate. He starts out by outright denying it. And then the supporting detail of his argument doesn't dissuade this idea. Doesn't it, it, it in a way, kind of supports what Tim Stewart's saying. Phil Spencer's thing is like, and this is the thing is, I almost feel like I'm being lied to. And I don't, I'm, I'm not trying to like accuse Phil Spencer of being a liar, but it's like Tim Stewart, a guy who would know the five, 10 year plan says, yeah, we want to get the shit on PlayStation. Are you kidding me? And then Phil Spencer's like, no, that's not our plan. Our plan is not to get this on PlayStation Nintendo. Our plan is to commit to the people who've invested in our hardware. And we want to invest in those people. And yeah, Game Pass has gone many places and we want to support Game Pass where it's at. But at the end of the day, Game Pass is also on console and we want to support our players who've made the commitment and the investment in our hardware. Okay. But you also say you want to look for uh, ways, continue to look for ways to innovate across the gaming portfolio in our gaming platform. You talk about growing Game Pass and growing it in all the places and getting it in all in the hands of as many players as possible. And we know right now, in the most ideal sense, that means to you guys, mobile, cloud streaming. I know. I know that's what they mean. They want you to be able to stream Game Pass to your tablet, to your PC, to your phone. They want you to play Game Pass games on your phone. They want you to do all that shit. But... You're telling me you don't want to be on the two most popular video game home consoles that there are? And your CFO says that is what you guys want to do? But you're saying no? And in a way, it almost feels like Phil Spencer is like, hey, it will cannibalize our hardware sales if we say things like, yeah, we want to put Game Pass on our competitors' platforms. Because at that point, it's like, why even buy an Xbox? I can just subscribe to Game Pass and buy literally every other console and I'll be fine. So it, it just almost seems like it has been an as of late reactionary stance for Xbox to take this notion of, oh, we're just committed to the people who've invested in our hardware. If you find an Xbox console, you're our number one priority. We want to continue to invest in you guys and make sure we're delivering great content for you because you've already invested in us. So we want to invest in you because we're investors. We're this is Shark Tank. You know, this is an Xbox this is a Shark Tank and we want to invest in you. And that sounds great, but it just it doesn't comport with the things that Phil Spencer was saying a year or two ago doesn't comport with the things the CFO of his company is saying and I just can't help but feel like maybe we're being misled not with malice but in like a in like a desperate attempt to protect the brand and keep things going because the thing about what Xbox is doing is playing on game Pass is although they have ideas and there's ways they'd like to see things go. Nothing is for sure. Everything Xbox is doing can be a whole lot of pivoting, depending on how moment-to-moment, step-by-step things play out. And you don't want to, you know, you don't want to run the risk of, like, completely convincing your whole audience, like, hey, we're not so committed to our hardware. We are just ultimately trying to get Game Pass on everyone else's platform, including our competitor. Because once that message is out and adopted by the masses, that's game over. And I think that's what Phil Spencer realizes, like that he can't afford for that message to be adopted by the mainstream and for that to be the status quo. 
And he's got to nip that in the bud and fight against that. And that's why this kind of comment comes out. And I'm not again, I'm not trying to say Phil Spencer's a liar. Maybe there's a misunderstanding at the top. I find it hard to believe the CFO wouldn't know what's going on and what the main objective is for the company right now. The guy in charge of making sure the things, the, the, the Microsoft machine makes money. But I, I don't know, man. It just, it just seems like two of the highest ranking people in the company are kind of saying two separate things. And if anything, Phil Spencer comes across as like kind of not being honest or maybe answering a different question than the one that's being asked perhaps or focus, you know being ambiguous in a way that like it feels like nothing's being said but everything's being said at the same time and i don't know i just i can't handle this pr talk because it's just it's frustrating it's like we're seeing the sales numbers and xbox series s and x are are doing bad it's and it makes it makes no fucking sense because as someone who has owned every Xbox console. I can tell you with absolute confidence, the Series X and the Series S are phenomenal consoles. I have both of them. I'm looking at my Series S right now, sitting on my computer. I love this little guy. And when I go home, when I go downstairs into the living room, I got a Series X hooked up to my TV. And I love that thing just as much. It's, it's awesome. I love these consoles. I think in terms of hardware and specs and starting off the generation on the right foot and everything, this is the best hardware Xbox has ever made. It's great, great consoles. It's not enough. PlayStation's had borderline nothing come out this year. I, this I, this year for sure. But this generation, I think PlayStation's output has been abysmal, man. They put out a couple of games that are also PS4 games, like God of War, Ragnarok, and Horizon. They got a couple really good games, like a new Ratchet & Clank game, a new, a new Spider-Man game, no doubt. And that's not the shit on PlayStation. PlayStation does great work. They deserve their success. But it's like PlayStation, ha- in my opinion has not had a particularly impressive generation so far. And Xbox, while not having the best generation ever so far, has had a significantly better start in marketing footing and and kind of optics going into this generation than what they had going into the Xbox One. But right now, like lifetime sales, the Xbox Series consoles are selling worse at this point in their life cycle than the Xbox One was selling at this point in its life cycle. That's a fucking problem. You have better hardware. You have better messaging. You have better optics. You have a great service available that's very affordable in a time where the economy is becoming uncertain and people are getting really weary about where their money is going and what they're buying. You have better first-party output now than you did eight years ago, ten years ago. And your new consoles are selling worse than the last one? You're losing ground to PlayStation? You would think, based on how everything's gone since the Xbox Series consoles have come out, that at the very least, Xbox has gained a little ground back. And while PlayStation is still dominant and in the lead, Xbox is making progress towards making it half and half rather than losing people and having the the PlayStation become even more dominant. But that's what's happening right now. And so I just can't help but feel like maybe Phil Spencer is saying the thing he needs to say to protect the brand right now when in actuality the plan all along is what Tim Stewart's saying here, which is like, yeah, man, we want to get Game Pass and your fucking Ouya if we can do it. I don't care. Roku, iPhone, Android, who gives a shit? We want Game Pass everywhere. And um, I don't know, man. I just I feel like to some extent, maybe the maybe the market is catching on to just that. And people just feel like it's like, I don't, I don't need an Xbox. Maybe I'll just get Game Pass when I feel like it. But I don't need an Xbox. I can get a PC and a PS4, a PS5, and that's... It's everything you need. I can get a PS5 and a Switch. That's everything you need. 
So I don't know, man. I don't. I don't love this situation. This is putting an Xbox in, especially because I feel like they're so fucking close, man. Their first party output is start in terms of like number of games. Like we're we're starting to get to a good point, a good cadence with everything. And I feel like they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot right now with the messaging. And then I don't know. I don't know what this does for them. So, man, twenty twenty four. Hopefully it hits. Fable, Hellblade, Avowed, all this stuff. Hopefully it hits. It comes out and just kills. And we start to see things turn around for Xbox, but like it's just, it just feels so dire for them right now. All right, so um, there's a couple other questions he asked that I want to touch on. We don't have to talk about everything in great detail here, but Jez Corden asks uh, Phil Spencer about the subject continuing with innovation. You know, I, I objects or objects hardware like Steam Deck and the ASUS ROG Ally and the canceled Xbox Keystone device that was like a streaming stick for Xbox and what Xbox plans to do as far as like innovation goes. And Phil Spencer said to that, um, yeah, we absolutely do have plans for innovation. Just last month, we elevated uh, Sarah Bond to the president of Xbox. The hardware team is her organization. The platform and services team are in her organization. Uh, We made that organizational move specifically to ensure that we are a unified focus on more innovation and our roadmap across hardware and services. And that includes the development of Xbox consoles as well. And it's about innovation, what we're doing with within our teams. But um, we'll have more to talk about in terms of what we're doing in the hardware space and in the service space. There's a lot and there's a lot of great work for us to do. We're always listening. So then so then, Jez Corden goes more into the gaming handheld specifically since they touch on that. Talking about Lenovo Legion Go, ROG Ally, uh, Game Pass and streaming on these kinds of devices and all that. And how they have recent updates on on Xbox that have made um, the streaming stuff work better, and the PC Xbox app has gotten better, and and has uh, that new mode that optimizes the Windows app for devices like ROG Ally and Lenovo Legion Go, uh, like a more mobile kind of handheld PC friendly version. <coughs> And um, to that point, Phil Spencer responds and says, I appreciate the mention of the Xbox app and the work that Ashley McKenzie and the team, uh, McKenzie and the team have put together on the, um, with the launch with compact mode, which is the mode he's referring to that makes it run on devices like ROG Ally a little better. Phil says, I'm traveling right now with my Lenovo Legion Go. And it's fantastic. I think about those handheld PCs, almost extensions of my Xbox console. We've been pushed, uh, pushing for cross-play, cross-save, cross-progression for so long to see that I can pick up my game and that my progress on my console shows up with me wherever I go in a native way. It's just, it's not just cloud streaming and I can play it on an airplane or when I'm disconnected. I think it's a vitally important way, uh, thing that, sorry, it's a vitally important in the way we're trying to go. I think a lot about um, product entitlement and we have Xbox Play Anywhere. Xbox Play Anywhere has been a long-term part of our strategy. Though I didn't think that we made as much progress uh, as maybe we could have over the past years that it's been out, but I see this as handheld PCs come along. I think of things like Play Anywhere and my ability to keep my games library with me and allowing me to play those different devices, including cloud streaming at some point. We're looking at the ability to allow you to stream the games that you own. So this is like a pretty much a non-answer where it says, he says a whole lot of nothing. He's like, hey, I love these devices. I love that we're optimizing our apps and services to adapt to these devices. I think about these devices as an extension of my Xbox when I'm out on the road. Um, 
and yeah, we're thinking about that. We're thinking about the services that we have and how they play into that cross safe, cross progression, play anywhere, and how it's, you know, we've been working on these things for years and they play so hand in hand naturally with these devices as you go from your house to out out and about traveling with these devices, continuing and playing your games all around, and then coming back home and being able to pick up where you left off while you were out on the road. And uh, how it's like, this is a natural extension of the Xbox experience. We want to be able to take this library with you. We want you to be able to interact, blah, 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 blah. It just seems like he's saying like, hey, I like these features we've already worked on. I like the way it implements and plays with these devices. And these devices are great. They're a great extension. And we look at it all the time. We're always thinking about how to empower people with their library. It's like, okay, that's basically like a fancy way of saying, I have nothing to announce at this time. That's basically what that says to me. So the frustrating thing there is that we know from those leaks a while back that at least at some point, Microsoft was pretty interested in trying to do Xbox, an Xbox streaming, like, a, or not, maybe not streaming, but handheld device. Maybe it was streaming, maybe it was native, maybe it was both. But the frustrating thing is like, damn, we all want that so bad. I keep looking at like ROG Ally and all these things, Lenovo Legion, all that stuff. It's like, I want to get one. But at the same time, it's like, I don't want to buy one of those just to find out in like a year or two that Xbox is making their own and I wasted my money. Like, I really want to get in on one of those. I just feel like, I just feel like it's not going to be the same. Like, you're going to spend like five or six hundred or seven hundred dollars on these devices, whatever it costs. And then you're going to be like, but it would just be so much better if there was like an Xbox one built from the ground out specifically for Xbox. And that's what I'm holding out hope for. And it just seems like. Phil Spencer is not bucking. He is PR dodging the fuck out of this notion that they might ever get involved in it. And he's like, hey, I, I love these devices. I use these devices. Nothing to say. We're always looking to innovate. And that's basically what I take away from that. Now, there's some other topics they get into, and I don't want to spoil the whole thing. I, again, I encourage you to go read it on Windows Central. They talk about um, Xbox Family Plan for Game Pass and in, in different things, benefits of, of, of services and all that sh- all stuff. And then they kind of wrap up the interview talking about, you know, like you got Blizzard, Blizzard has all these dormant, Activision Blizzard, they have these dormant franchises and like, what do you, what do you want to do with this nostalgic IP? What are your plans? You mentioned things like Atari and Skylanders, Starcraft, what, do you, what are the plans? Are these teases? Are we going to see these games come back? Like, what what are your thoughts on this? And uh, Phil, Phil Spencer says, I probably can't do the compare and contrast that well, since I wasn't in the rooms at Activision when they were talking about the decisions of what games to focus on. I can speak to us. It goes back to some of our language at Game Pass in the very beginning. We have a service that is financially viable, meaning that it makes money in Game Pass. We put a lot of money into the market, over a billion dollars a year supporting third-party games coming to Game Pass. I mean, they spent over a billion dollars a year supporting third-party, giving money to third parties to get games into Game Pass. And we see that Game Pass and its service uh, that supports all kinds of games, the biggest games to the most unknown indie games that you don't know that you love until you play it. If you're an individual publisher, you really have to think about how do you get everyone playing my games? I think a lot about publishers that are naturally drawn to making games that are big hits as big as possible. We want to do that as well, of course, but we, uh, but because we have a platform, we also have a subscription service. Having people play more and stay engaged more on the platform, frankly, regardless of the types of games they're playing on, is a very viable part of our strategy. That's interesting because what he's doing there is essentially admitting, like, because of Game Pass and the luxury that affords us, like, small games, indie games, side-scrolling games, big AAA games, open-world games, RPGs, action games, first-person shooters, multiplayer games, single-player games, it all makes sense. You want the variety. You want the spice of life. You want different ways to engage the player, not just the biggest AAA one-and-done experiences. And that's something I've always been championing about Game Pass is I love that because it offers 
more opportunity for developers to give us different types of experiences instead of everyone going into some some arms race over like who can top The Last of Us and try to make the best version of that style of game. And I love that. Uh, anyway, continuing on, Phil Spencer then says, when you look at things that we've done over the past 12 months, like Pentiment, Hi-Fi Rush, long-term investments like Grounded or these games that have real success for us in the subscription or platform, the diversity of the business model allows us to invest in different kinds of content and still have financial success with that content. When we look at the back catalog of games from Bethesda, we get really excited. When we look at the back catalog of Activision Blizzard, we get really excited about the things we can do. It's early days, so we need a lot of so we need to be talking with the teams that are fully staffed and working on things already. It's not like, hey, there's spare there's a spare team. You can just go put something together. You need to make sure those teams have passion for what they're going to work on. I will say the diversity in the business model is what uh is what we have at Microsoft Games Gaming and it really lets us support different kinds of games, different sizes of games and not every game we build has to be that kind of game that takes up all your time. Basically, Phil Spencer's singing to my fucking ears, saying the thing I've been saying in my Game Pass forever. And I love that. But he doesn't address specific games, so Jezcorn impresses a little harder, mentions some stuff about, you know, about games he'd like to see come to Xbox, um, like World of Warcraft and stuff, and asks basically how how Phil Spencer wants to meet fans' expectations and desires when it comes to these back catalogs. And so Phil Spencer rounds out the interview by saying this. You did a good job laying out some examples from the past, thinking of Age of Empires. We're on the 10th anniversary uh, edition of Killer Instinct, which is another nice example to think about. There has to be passion in the team behind the projects, and there doesn't need to be... There doesn't mean that the team has to be the original team every time. Uh, I'm not one, and maybe this is just my approach, but I'm not one to come in, take a franchise from the team, remove it from them, from the discussion or development process, and have... And how something new gets built. I think that the original creators, the culture, frankly, some of the lessons they've learned from the past experiences are very important. You've seen from our history that we haven't touched every franchise that people would love for us to touch. Banjo fans, I hear you. But it is true that when we find the right team and the right opportunity, I love going back and revisiting stories and characters that we've seen previously. In the case of Blizzard games specifically, really what I'd like to do is work with Blizzard's leadership to see what they have passion for. I say this... But I'm not suggesting that Blizzard doesn't have passion for reviving franchises too. I know that from my visits to the team, they absolutely have passion for this area. There's a lot of excitement for possibilities that we can all do together. But also, I want our fans and customers to know that I don't bring up games just to tease uh, tease no end. If people have watched how we've teased in the past, they usually know there's some kind of reconciliation for those hints later on. Not trying to lead people on, I might not happen to be on a timeline that people would love, but usually when I tease something, there's something there too that confirmed we're getting Hexen HD remaster, Hexen 2, and Hexen 3 electric boogaloo. It's all happening right now. Phil Spencer just confirmed it because he wore a Hexen shirt last summer. I think the big takeaway here is just that, you know, in the early days of Phil talking about acquiring Activision, getting all this IP, he did a lot of like, a lot like daydreaming, right? It'd be great to bring back Skylanders. It'd be great to bring back Atari. It'd be great to bring back Star StarCraft. But what he's come to realize or is admitting is that like, hey, at the end of the day, I can't force anyone to do anything. I got to see what these teams want to do. And like, I'm not just trying to get you hyped for no reason. It's just that I can't promise anything's going to happen. And I respect and appreciate this approach because that's 
the honest God truth, you don't want to force people to make games they don't want to make. Hey, Blizzard, make a StarCraft II remake or something because it's what the people want, I guess. You're going to piss people off and drive talent away. You don't want to do that. But at the same time, I think you have some teams you could say like, maybe not like, hey, this team, you have to go make this remake or a sequel to this game. But maybe say, Toys for Bob, Crash Team Rumble isn't working. We're going to sunset it after season five and, and, and be done with the game. After that, we want you guys to do a remake of a project. Please come pitch us two or three games that you would be interested in the Activision Blizzard catalog and reviving and pitch us on pitch us on a couple of them and we'll pick one, you know, like ones that you would be interested in doing it. That way it's like they get the opportunity to kind of pick what game they want to work with, but they also get to satisfy this like kind of requirement to bring something back. It's a little bit of like give and take a little bit on both sides because the problem is I feel like Xbox sometimes is just way too laissez-faire and what they end up getting is like this, I don't know, this stuff like what Ninja Theory is doing. It's like you've you've been working on a game for like fucking seven years, man. And in the game you're working on, just looks like more of the last game you made. And the last game you made was kind of like a budget, single-player, narrative-driven, seven-hour adventure. And now you spent like seven years making a direct sequel to this because Xbox gave you an unlimited time and budget um, and, and told you to just go fuck off and do what you want to do. And here you are seven layers and you're fucking mocapping all the freckles on the freaking little European girl's face so that we can have the most realistic experience. When in actuality, maybe what you need to be doing is making a fun hack and slash game like you guys used to do. And again, it's not necessarily that you need to force a team to do this or that, but there needs to be some guidance. There needs to be some structure. There needs to be some kind of like, what are we doing here? Like, hey, here are the things you're good at. Why don't you pitch us some ideas of what you'd like to do and let's try to work together to find something that you should be focusing on right now instead of instead of mo-capping all the freckles on this European girl's face, right? And I feel like that's the thing I Phil Spencer and and, and now it's um what's his name? Freaking from turn ten and Matt Booty, these guys in charge of these guys who are in charge of the, of the show and the first party and, and all these developers, it's like work with them to kind of like shepherd them towards selecting a project and, and, and having a reasonable time frame for getting these things done and all that because you don't want to be totally hands-off. You don't want to totally be like, yeah, we'd love a, we'd love a Guitar Hero revival, but none of our teams want to make one. It's like, well, you know, maybe you need to bring back Guitar Hero and you need to find, you know, put out a call. Who wants to do this? Who would be open to it? Pitch us some ideas. Let's see, let's see what you guys have. And we'll take a team and we'll put them on it. As long as you just leave Treyarch to keep making Call of Duty and you leave... 343 to keep making Halo. Everyone else can play Ring Around the Rosies and do whatever the fuck they want. That's all I got to say about that. So we'll leave it at that. There's there's more of this interview that I think you guys should go check out. Maybe we can talk about it later some more. I just don't want to read word for word everything in this interview and then take take the clicks away from Windows Central because they did the hard work. They deserve uh, the attention. But let's round out with some Game Pass updates, games coming and going to Game Pass, and then we'll get into small news and listener comments as we round out this very big episode. So uh, from Xbox Wire, available now, Remnant from the Ashes and Remnant 2 are both on cloud console and PC. That's a very nice surprise. I'll have to, I kind of want to check out Remnant 2 just because people really seem to like that game. I feel like if I'm ever going to be into it, I would, I would just have to jump straight into the sequel and not play the first one. But there's that. Spirit of the North is on cloud console and PC along with SteamWorld Build. That's a day one Game Pass game is out now. Uh, Clone Drone in the in the Danger Zone is a is on uh, Game Pass as well as 
Rise of the Tomb Raider, which is the best Tomb Raider game, so please play that if you haven't. While the Iron's Hot is a day one Game Pass game that is out now, as well as World War Z Aftermath, cloud console and PC. Goat Simulator 3 is on Game Pass as of now, cloud console and PC, as well as Against the Storm on PC. Uh, coming soon, Tin Hearts and Far Cry 6 come to Game Pass. Tin Hearts on December 12th, Far Cry 6 on December 14th. And then leaving on December 15th, the following games are gone forever, so play them now before they're gone, or go buy them and get 20% off before they're gone. You got Chain Echoes, Opus Magnum, Potioncraft uh, Alchemist uh, Simulator, and Rubber Bandits. So that's going to do it for all of our news, you guys. Let's round out real quick with the important enough news stories. Stories important enough to warn the podcast, but not important enough to warn their own discussions. Real quick, Call of Duty has uh, arrived on NVIDIA GeForce, fulfilling the previous promise made by Microsoft as part of a 10-year partnership. So, yeah. Capcom, ha- next up, Capcom has revealed plans to release more Resident Evil remakes. They've said following the success, um, they want to do more Resident Evil remakes. That is in their five-year plan, they say. Next up, New World Interactive has become the latest studio owned by Embracer to hit a, have a round of layoffs, unfortunately. In a statement to PC Gamer, Embracer Saber Interactive Division confirmed an unspecified number of jobs that the studio had been impacted by restructuring changes. And lastly, Remedy Entertainment has announced that Alan Wake 2's New Game Plus mode will be coming on December 11th called The Final Draft. The Final Draft will introduce a new Nightmare difficulty and have a new ending to the game's story with fresh lore discoverable in the form of videos and manuscripts. The updates will include numerous bug fixes and some performance optimizations as well. And that's going to do it for every last bit of news, you guys. We are now down to the final segment of the podcast as we near the three-hour mark. We get into my favorite part of the show, the comments, the shout-outs. You know how it goes. You head on over to YouTube.com. Click on the latest episode of the podcast. It's YouTube.com slash Xbox on podcast or at Xbox on podcast at YouTube.com. Click on the latest episode, put a thumbs up, don't do a thumbs down, hit the subscribe button while you're there, and if you're on podcast services, please consider subscribing and leaving a five-star review. If you have any inclination to leave less than five stars, don't even bother reviewing, just five stars only, I'd really appreciate it. European listeners, I hope you guys have noticed, I'm trying to be nice to you guys, taking the piss out of it, out of you guys too much, not fair. Y'all are good people, you got great developers over there in Europe, have I mentioned how beautiful you all look today? Five-star reviews, please and thank you. And now let's start off with our first comment of the week. Mike Clark writes in and says, The Wonder Response. Super Mario Wonder is everything you said. As someone who's played a lot of it, but I have to go back to your comment about Hogwarts Legacy. I've never played it, but what it has done is nothing short of incredible, and it deserves a nomination at the Game Awards, in my opinion, over Mario Wonder and Resident Evil 4. Great show, and hope you get and hope you have a great week. Well, thank you, Mike Clark. I hope you're having a great week. Oh, also, you said um, to the Fallout show, I should put this over earlier. I'm hope uh, I'm hopeful for, the, for that new Fallout show. Fantastic uh, to work with. Ne- uh, new Gears of War show is the one I'm most excited about. Also, Culver's is solid, and I pity your belt line. Uh, my belt line is getting. We don't have to talk about that. Yes, Gears of War show. I forgot Netflix is doing a Gears of War show. I'm nervous about that one. Next up, Mr. Malg writes in and says, I can't believe Halo Infinite's beta was two years ago. I remember playing it with you on your stream. Bro, we're dying, man. If you blink too many times, you're going to fucking be fucking shopping for shopping for uh, a suit to be buried in. Personally, I choose to be cremated because the idea of being buried is terrifying. But, Mr. Malg, I'm not here to judge you if you would prefer to be buried. 
Mr. Malik, should we be buried in a close-ish proximity to one another, do you think? Perhaps? I await your response. Wesh3978 writes in and says, First, I completely agree with the sword and shield high fantasy games needing to hit for Xbox. As a nerdy fantasy guy or fan, I love seeing this genre all of a sudden take off. I can't really wrap my head around why sci-fi games have completely taken, uh, have completely tanked, but they've been gone. Second, bro, I had the same reaction to Culver's when I was, when I moved near Asheville. Growing up, it was a random restaurant across the street from Carowinds. Lucky. And no one ate at it. But recently I went there and had a burger and fries and fell in love. Friend I was with uh, said, next time I go, the cur- uh, I had to get the curds and boom, boom sauce. I've never looked back. What a place. Also, the IHOP comparison was funny. Bro, yes. So I'm not the only one. I'm not crazy. So you are you you understand that Culver's is weird. The first time you go there, it's not good. The second time you go there, you're hooked for life. I think the reason they do that is a special crack cocaine related ingredient they put in the food um, only after your first visit. And the reason for doing that is because they want to weed out the riffraff. If you don't have the inclination to ever come back and give them a second chance, that means that you're not worthy of being their customer. They do not wish to have your business. But if you so happen to come two or more times, they will continue to put their crack cocaine into their food to keep you addicted and hooked on their deliciousness because you are a worthy customer who gave them a second chance and therefore they will give you all the cocaine you wish for. That is my theory as to how Culver's works. I hope you agree. Also, growing up next to Carowind sounds awesome. I I lived three and a half hours from, from Carowind. How, how far away is... Yeah, Carowind's from Atlanta. It was like four hours maybe. Always tried to go there and never made it out there. Intimidator 305, Fury. I don't know. I wanted to... You guys have a Boo Hill, uh, dark Sally Dark ride there, right? The Boo the Boo Hill Blaster ride. I wanna, damn, I wanna go to Carowinds, man. Anyway, thank you for writing in. Have a wonderful day, Wes H. All right, let's go back to Mike Clark, who has the biggest comment of all, and says, "I loved uh, Prince of Persia: Sands of Time. Enjoy the rest. Wish uh, more developers uh, would offer more linear games. You, me, bro, both, brother." Uh, don't get me wrong, as I enjoyed Breath of the Wild and Valhalla, but guys, everything doesn't need to be 80 to 100 hours. I don't have Twitch yet, but I'm here for the podcast. No comparing the games companies like Nintendo um, to a hardware manufacturer like Sony to a trillion dollar tech company like Microsoft. They're all in the same business, but clearly in differences in services that they provide. Love your take on the Xbox tax. Probably the best I've heard. Avowed is going to be great because of Obsidian, and they said so. Yeah, it's weird because it's weird because that is the well. Thank you, Frame. Again, um, but that is the necessity, or that is the conversation that's necessitated just by virtue of PlayStation and Xbox and Nintendo all competing with one another. Is that they they their gaming related products are natural competitors and they have to be compared and contrasted, but their parent companies couldn't be further from you know Nintendo's like. If Disney didn't fucking sell out and forget who they were and stayed and stayed wholesome, that's like Nintendo. It's like they're powerful. They have they have just an Apple level brand that's like untouchably powerful, and they know what they're fucking doing and they do it well. But they're not the biggest company in the world, but they're really damn good at what they do. Sony is like a really big tech company that has fallen from grace over the years, but has such a incredibly strong gaming division that 
PlayStation alone really holds the whole company up and it makes it what it is today. And then Microsoft is the biggest tech conglomerate that could just fucking piss Xbox out in, in the snap of a finger and, and, and not even think twice about it. But to us, it's like we think Microsoft that our minds immediately jump to Xbox because we're investing in the gaming aspect of it all. So it, it's weird because it is comparing apples to oranges to pears. And uh, it's what we got to do because at the end of the day, the thing PlayStation is and the thing Xbox is and the thing Nintendo does are all, especially between PlayStation and Xbox, direct competitors. All right. Cronky writes in and says, I definitely think the Xbox tax is real. But it probably subcon, and this is all in response to our conversation last week about Xbox tax. Uh, but the Xbox tax is probably subconscious and not intentional. There's no grand conspiracy, but there's definitely a general sense of people being down on Xbox. I I agree with that a lot more. If if that is what pe- people mean when they refer to an Xbox tax, the thing is, I don't think that's what the internet is generally referring to. I think the internet generally means like. IGN, because people always talk about IGN like it's a single guy. Like IGN is some guy who's like 34 and has like a fucking and has like a fucking um I don't know, like a Goonies tattoo on his like wrist or some shit like that. Everyone everyone fucking talks about IGN like it's one person. But everyone's like, oh, IGN hates Xbox. They intentionally give Xbox games lower scores than PlayStation games. And that's the kind of rhetoric you see from like the diehard Xbox fans in regards to this Xbox tax. And yeah, I, I like you gotta be fucking crazy to think that's what's going on. But I, I am inclined to agree with your, your attitude about that, which is, it's not, it's not like, I think about it like this, like you always hear the sentiment with cars, right? It's like buy Japanese cars. They're the best. And yeah, Japanese car manufacturers make some fucking awesome cars. But arbitrarily, it seems, at least in America, and at least in the United States, that when people say, buy a Japanese car, what they mean to say is, buy a Toyota or maybe a Honda. That's what they really mean to say. Never mind the fact that there are plenty of Japanese auto makes outside of Toyota and Honda, like Subaru, Mitsubishi, Mazda, Nissan, etc., etc., right? And I will say as a fan of cars that... I love Hondas. I grew up a Honda boy. Collected so many Hot Wheel Honda cars. Played race, played so many racing games where I'm just like, oh, can I be a Civic Type R? Can I be a Supra? Can I, you know, or Supra is a Toyota. Uh, I meant like a like a Type S Integra, or um, or like a Honda S2000 or something like that. And really love, um, really love, really love Hondas. You know, appreciate Toyotas as well. But the older I get, the more I'm like, you know what Japanese car manufacturers I really like that I feel like just don't get a lot of talk, don't get a lot of hype? Subaru and Mazda. I think, especially, I'm like, fuck, I want a Subaru right now. Like, I'm always thinking about, like, man, Subaru's so nice. Why don't, you know, you you drive on the roads, you see a bunch of American cars, you see a bunch of pickup trucks, you see a shit ton of Toyotas. Korean cars are getting really popular, so you see lots of Kias and Hyundais. But it's like, Man, so few people drive Subarus, at least in Florida, it, it is. It's like, man, I see, I, see, I see like one Subaru for every two billion Toyota Corollas on the road here. It's like crazy. And I guess the point I'm trying to make, what, let me back up. I'm getting so bogged down talking about cars. And um, the idea is like, we all love video games, right? At the end of the day, it's like, buy, buy Japanese cars. 
It's not like, it's like IGN's like, we love video games. We cover video games. We cover Nintendo. We cover Xbox. We cover PC. We cover PlayStation. We cover it all. Video games. Play video games. Enjoy, celebrate, cover, discuss video games. But for some reason, PlayStation is that fucking Toyota where like everyone and everyone just blindly fucking praises the goddamn Toyota. Everyone's got to have a Toyota. Everyone loves Toyota. Toyota can charge 30% more for the same fucking car as any other manufacturer and get away with it because you want Toyota. It's what you want. And people don't necessarily have the experience with Mazda, Subaru, Mitsubishi, Nissan. Although I would say Mazda and Subaru are much nicer than Mitsubishi and Nissan, generally speaking. But regardless of the fact, they're all they're all good. And it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, but like PlayStation. PlayStation's just this like snowballing runaway effect where it's just like everyone just fucking loves it. It's like iPhone. It's the same thing. It's like, is iPhone better than Android? No. Is Android better than iPhone? No. Are both of them great? Yes. Is iPhone significantly more beloved blindly compared to Android? Yes. Is Toyota significantly blindly loved way more than like Subaru? Yes. Why? I don't know. Because it's like it was successful and then it kept being successful and then everyone caught on and everyone had a good experience with it and it just kept being successful and no one ever stopped and said, huh, maybe I should try a Subaru. Huh, maybe I should switch to an Android. I don't know. It just It's just what happened, man. I don't, I got the Galaxy S23 Ultra. First time I've ever had just like the generic slab top of the line Android device. Like I would say... If you have like an iPhone 15 Pro Max or whatever the hell it is, and you want to find the Android phone that is the one-to-one comparison, like the one-to-one equivalent of that phone, the closest phone on the market you could buy would be the Samsung Galaxy S23 Ultra. It is just the Android version of the latest and greatest iPhone. I've never had that phone. Usually when I buy an Android phone, I buy something stupid. I buy something like that's budgety or something that has bendable screens or something that does weird features because I like quirky, weird phones. This is the first year I've ever just had the big, powerful Android version of the iPhone, so to speak. And it's a great phone. I love this Samsung Galaxy S23 Ultra. I've enjoyed the hell out of it this whole year. I've been using it. But before this, I've had like five iPhones. I've had plenty of iPhones. And... After using this for a year, my takeaway is I like the Samsung Galaxy S23 Ultra a lot more than the iPhone. But this Samsung Galaxy S23 Ultra is not better than my iPhones that I had. The iPhones I had were just as good. They were great phones, awesome phones. There are things about those iPhones I miss that this phone doesn't have or sometimes just doesn't work the way that those did. And there are so many things about this phone I love that if I went back to iPhone, I'd be so sad to not have anymore. It's just a personal preference, and it's just the the runaway PlayStation has attained that Apple status, Toyota status, Tesla status, where it's just like people just blindly like PlayStation, and I definitely think that exists. I definitely agree with you, Kronky. It's like there. It's just that, yeah, PlayStation is it's good shit. Oh, PlayStation's making a game. Oh, it's gonna be great. Oh, it's gonna be so great. And is it great? Yeah, usually it is pretty great. Yeah. I'm sure Spider-Man 2 is phenomenal. I'm sure God of War Ragnarok is phenomenal. I played the Spider-Man and the God of War on PS4, and I thought they were great. I'm sure they're great. But it's like, oh, Xbox is making a new game. Um, is it going to be great? I don't know. I don't have too much experience with Xbox. I don't know. Because it's Android. Because it's Subaru. Because it's it's Xbox. So that is the tax. It is the lack of experience. It's the lack of... It's the lack of affinity and um, 
time spent with. And the longer we get away from the Xbox 360 years, the one and only time Xbox kind of was a force to be reckoned with, the worse this problem is going to get because people are just going to have more and more time to only really have that PlayStation affinity that they are continuing to have. So yeah, man, <clears throat> I don't even know what we're talking about. My mom wrote in and says the name of a, a burger being called a butter burger sounds lethal. And to that, I'd say it is. Oh, finally, Mike Clark, you also wrote in and said one more thing I just want to read. Um, I, uh, you said, you said, I'm finally getting a chance to listen to my favorite taxed Xbox podcast. Sorry, I was late. Damn doctors don't get old. And then I responded to you because that reminded me that I've been needing to reschedule my doctor's appointment and I've been putting it off because I hate going to the doctor's. And I said, I need to reschedule my doctor's appointment ellipses. And you responded to me and said, keep those up. I'm sure to you, it was just like saying nothing. It was just like, yeah, whatever, passerby comment. But it was, it, it, I, I want to thank you because it was like a, it was like a, a simple thing that you did, but it was a, it, it was a thing to keep me accountable and I needed that. So appreciate it. After I saw that comment, I was like, ah, you're right. And I went online and I rescheduled my doctor's appointment. So I got that locked in for a follow-up. Got it. Got to keep those appointments in check. Um, so just want to say thank you. And I wanted to read that on the podcast because I noticed that I am that kind of person sometimes where I just need, I just need someone to kind of say out loud the thing I need to be doing to keep me good, to keep me honest and to keep me, um, accountable. And I just thought, you know what, this is kind of stupid, has nothing to do with our podcast, but maybe if I just read the comment where I said, I need to go to the doctors too. And you said, yeah, you should go to the doctors. Maybe, um, someone else listening will have a similar experience where like, oh Yeah. I need to go to the doctors. I should go to the doctors and then they'll go because take care of yourself. We like Mountain Dew. We like Taco Bell. Can't be doing too much of that stuff. You got to be taking care of yourself. Don't want to have too many butter burgers. Uh, and then sometimes, you know, let your, let your doctor do the thing where they tell you to breathe in and then cough and then all that stuff. And then they tell you you're okay, but Hey, it's important. Let the doctor do the thing, pay the copay, take care of yourself. And with that said, I think that's going to do it for our, Big, long, what is this, three hour? After we edit this, it'll be about roughly close to three hours of podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. Hope you had a wonderful time enjoying the podcast. Uh, if you did not, I'm sorry. Please stop listening. Uh, if you did enjoy the podcast, please consider leaving a five-star review. I really want to grow this podcast so big. I want to get this podcast so big that I can quit my day job and then make so much money on Patreon and ad revenue that you guys can quit your jobs. And then I'll split the money with you. And then we'll all be... We'll all be like a self-sustaining drum circle of fucking Xbox hippies, and we'll and we'll share dinner plates together, and we'll and we'll, and we'll pass around folk stories, and we'll um we'll game share with each other, and use the same login for our Xbox, and we'll all be on the same internet, so we can save money, and it'll be awesome, dude. And we can make a Pringles flavor based on us. I don't know. Have a great week. Be well. We're getting close to the holidays. Hey, if you're Jewish, happy Hanukkah. If you're not Jewish. Keep buying Christmas presents. If you don't celebrate Christmas, keep buying shit anyway. And until next week, be kind. Eat your vegetables. Tell people you love, you love them. If you have pets, pet them. They are so freaking fluffy. And until next week, power your dreams.